Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. I poured it in my mouth and it just wasn't going down. My first beer was an IPA, the best IPA I've ever drank, mostly because I brewed it. If you have a scale that is good for measuring cocaine, you're probably good for measuring hops on cocaine. You're scaring me. <laughs> I think the information is awesome and the audio sucks. Take some sugary water, throw some yeast in there. And you're going to drink good beer. Yeah, it it's going to be good beer. It's fine. From the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Beer lovers, welcome to the session. I'm your host today, Justin Crosley. Joining me, Jason Petros, Tasty and Beardy. Hi. Hello. Hi. And Bevo's here somewhere, too. <clears throat> Maybe. Hi. Yeah, all here and ready to go. We don't actually know. Fresh off a little one-week break, so I'm, I'm yeah. sure everyone's excited and just ready to be back. Pumped up. Oh, so rested. JP and Bevo spent their week off at Disneyland. Oh, not a bad That's week. true. How did that go? Uh, it was expensive. It was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> why? No more season passes? No, that's why. <laughs> Just they've raised the price. So, you know, it's Disneyland. So every two, uh, twice, three times a year, there's a quarter raise here, 75 cent raise there. Just shit's real expensive. I see. Um, the uh, Carthay, which is like they're uh, in downtown Disney, they have, or in DCA, California Venture, they have that um, that real nice lounge where you can get cocktails. Yeah. yeah. The best ride in that park. That's right. Uh, it absolutely the, is. the Manhattan used to be 14 bucks. It's yeah. now 16.50. Whoa. For a Manhattan, for just a drink, I mean, for right. a mixed drink. It wow. used to be reasonable. With, now it's in a theme park. With bullet rye. Like, it's not, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. Bullet's good. But it's not. Sure. sure. But it's not. Right. It's not almost $17. So that was that was real hard, and we spent a lot of money. But hmm. I had five cocktails while I was there, so I was feeeling great. So $115. Right. <laughs> Our bill was $300. It was $300. Wow. Like I, we met uh, Bev and Sam and Abby, uh, and Bev already was three drinks in. Nice. 
nice. And um, my feet hurt. Stayed for two more. So, so she was enjoyable. Yeah, Tara and I tried to catch up, and it was just like uh, I'll get the bill. And I saw the bill, I was like, oh god, yes, you guys will get the bill. <laughs> Was it young Alice's first trip to Disneyland? Yes, sir. Oh, that's exciting. It really was. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Did you show her Wonderland? I mean, whatever you no. showed her, she didn't see anyway. <laughs> no, right. right. Yeah. yeah, and I was really stressing out about it, man. But honestly, I, I kind of realized that it's not so much... Because I was worried about if she would enjoy it or not. <laughs> she's, she's eight years okay. old, right? Yeah. Like, so you could have taken her to shit. Walmart and right. it would have looked <laughs> yeah. the same. Pretty much, yeah. So I don't know what you're worried That's about. Rushing light. I don't know because, uh, like, yeah, am I supposed to? Am I supposed to be concerned about it? Am I not? I don't know. There's all these questions as a parent, right? And uh, it was. Uh, she did really well in all the rides. She she like smiled at a couple things okay. and was just looking like really intently Wouldn't looking around. Right. Never, yeah. never cried. Never nice. you know. So yeah. it was uh, that okay. was cool. And I was like, oh. This could work. That's exciting. How, how yeah. was joining the uh, asshole uh, stroller club? Oh. It was um, it was really interesting, man, because uh, it, it's a different perspective on doing Disneyland. Where <laughs> if you walk around without a stroller, you think everyone with a stroller is a fucking asshole. Yeah, because right. Because they're just turning around, they're doing this, they're they're getting in your way. But as a stroller driver, everybody just tries to shoot across your path, and you're clipping heels, and you're like, I'm. I'm trying to walk. Yeah, I've actually ha- had a wall of people walk towards me mm-hmm. and not get out of my way. Right. And I no one opened up. Stop. Yeah. No, and they're staring at me. We're making eye contact. <laughs> like, what do you? What do you? What do you think is going to happen? It's Red Rover. Disneyland chicken. I mean, I yeah. would say that in Disneyland's defense, that's being out in public in general now. Correct. Like, I noticed that just nobody gives a shit. It's yeah. one of the reasons mm-hmm. I can't go grocery shopping or Walmart or any of those things. I just have to order everything online because. Uh, nobody sees anything around them anymore. Huh? There, right. there is that. oblivious. And I wa- and and I think it always used to be that way. But I wonder now if we we spend so much time on our screen where where there really is nothing else around us that that then translates into the times when we're not looking at our screen, like walking around the grocery yeah. store. So it's become amplified that your surroundings uh, are they they are not relevant yeah. to your human experience. We're like single tasking. Mm. We're just like. Me and the store. Yeah. And everybody else is just like fixtures here. Like and, and it drives me insane because yeah. it is one of the things I'm very sensitive about, which is my my surroundings. And am, mm-hmm. I, am I talking too loud? Do I yeah. do I reach for an item first when someone's standing? Like, I'm yeah. always concerned that There's I'm being a dick. cart in the way. Right? Yeah. Like, get out of the way, for God's sake. That's Disneyland. If you want to feel like you are the nicest, kindest person on the planet, go to Disneyland. Right. And, you know, uh, I was telling uh, Bev this earlier today. I was like, I felt like I had to be extra nice, Mm. especially to cast members, but just in the general public, even if they were kind of dicks. Because Because you had a baby or? or? Well, because, yeah, because I had a stroller. And, like, now I'm a new, I'm a new, not a new, but I'm like a different obstacle in the park. And you're a novice. You don't have your stroller license yet either. That's correct. Yeah. He hasn't had his stroller long enough. He cares too much yeah. at this point. Yeah, because like, like, oh, excuse me. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. And like trying to smile. So, right. so that way, because I, I feel like now I'm representing a smaller group of people that people that most people in the park kind of hate already. Yeah, people who drive with strollers. Okay. Like for example, you've been in Disneyland. The um, the like trolley tracks down Main Street. Yeah, and they kind of merge and swerve a little bit. The strollers get the wheels get fucking stuck in those. Okay. Right. I had no idea until I'm walking with Taryn and she's weaving left and right. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you getting hit on Drunk the head? Like, what's happening? Yeah. She's like, no, the things are getting stuck. And she's then I'm get like, an SUI. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, oh, 
this is a new this is why stroller people on Main Street are super unpredictable because you have to turn <laughs> and it's a, I don't know it's just it's a, a whole thing and learned a whole lot of stuff All right. Yeah. also fell asleep every night before 10 o'clock really in the hotel room yeah it, just it, wiped man is that not normal for you now anyway even no. at home with you know because you're probably up early with the kid anyhow and, and done earlier um, no I'm usually up till like midnight or so but especially okay. in the park we try to be the last people oh. uh, and Alice is teething and then like a hotel room was a whole new experience for us with the kid okay. and she didn't really do that great in the middle of the night a couple nights she was up several times right. crying and then usually if we're at home and she's crying we let her put herself back to sleep but again like you're saying when you're out in public you kind of try to be overly nice to people okay. or like be around your, aware of your surroundings I didn't want anybody on the either side of our hotel room to right. like complain or bang on the wall so I you know we had to go and console what a, her so what a we're contrast up at 5 o'clock what a contrast before. even to when we go out to beer events and we're in hotel rooms and we're just drinking until whatever <laughs> yes. and Sam is playing yeah. the guitar and, yeah. you know and now you're worried about a little baby voice now I'm worried about crying man yeah right. it's a weird thing uh, that's amazing well I'm glad yeah. you guys had fun and Alice got her first experience got to meet her namesake I hope did she have uh, did she get a photo with Alice no we didn't see her and okay. that ride is, is the line's super long all the time but she actually loves Donald Duck hmm like we have this. Nobody so, loves Donald. I know <laughs> he loves Donald Duck. Who, man, who is surprised that Jennifer's kid yeah. loves a character that nobody else gives a shit about? He <laughs> was yeah. angry all the time. Like someone gave her this uh, this kind of cheesy like toy box with all the Disney characters on it, and mm-hmm. and Donald is there, but not prominently. Okay. Every other character is represented very prominently, and she just always gravitated towards Donald Duck. She so, likes the odd duck and <laughs> no pants, out, you know, and no pants. She's a, yeah. she's a bohemian that way. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, man. They were really cool with the kid and spent a lot of time with her. And she just fucking smiled. She didn't smile bigger wow. that entire trip than when she was hanging out with Donald Duck. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, some weird character design thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. I really am. Uh, all right. Well, on today's show, uh, we've got a lot. we got a packed show for you today. We're going to be speaking with Chris Bercher from Wolf Hills Brewing Company. They're out of Virginia. Um, he's got a real take on small breweries. So we're going to talk about that hyper-local brewery thing we're seeing right now. Nice. Uh, you know, with the amount of breweries opening up all, all the time, it's the hyper-local part uh, that's really catching on. And, and maybe even, uh, I haven't seen the statistics myself, I've just spoken to different larger regional breweries, um, you know, starting to really dip into that market share, too, even among other craft brewers. So we're going to talk about that and other things. We've got some beer to try with Chris, so I'm looking forward to that. And then later in the program, uh, our good friend Gary Glass is going to be on the show. Oh, cool. Well, the 40th anniversary of the American Homebrewers Association and likewise the legalization of homebrew in America uh, is coming up in December. So he's going to come on the program and talk to us about what's happening at the AHA in terms of of their uh, big birthday party, uh, as well as some of the uh, current legislation oh. uh, issues that are uh, on the docket and, and, and happening uh, in, in homebrew in the U.S. I, was like, I thought it all got fixed. <clears throat> Everything's done. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. still more? I guess. I haven't oh. been clued in yet, but he put it on his agenda, and I'm always happy to talk about that. Yeah, some sure. states are further along than others. We're, we're probably pretty good here. Yeah, didn't mm. Colorado only recently pass something about, like, quote, full-strength beer being sold in liquor stores that's, like, oh, really? beer yeah. over 4% or some garbage yeah. like that? 
like that? You know, I think the percentage was higher than that, but I do remember being surprised that that Colorado, such a beer state, still had any issues whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'll talk to us about that, or at least we can get some clarification about what it was. Yeah, Warren. Uh, yeah, I I would love to see things more clearly, especially when it comes to law. Yeah, never going to happen, but <laughs> you know we'll, we'll keep doing our part here. Gary's a miracle worker. Yeah. Lay so, hands on the boys. <laughs> so we'll talk to Gary and uh, get the lowdown on all, all that too. And I might even give you a little beer news later on. Saw an interesting story today. Oh. Thought it'd be worth talking about. Yeah. I'll stomping on JP's territory. Yeah, I know. God, man. God bless. That was a quick, uh, quick story. Anyhow, maybe we'll cover that at the end too. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let me get through some announcements. As always, uh, announcements are brought to you today by Drake's Brewing Company. You can go to drinkdrakes.com, and they've just opened the barn in Sacramento, uh, their newest location. Uh, it looks just absolutely amazing. I think we ought to. I think we ought to jump on the Amtrak and go check it out one of yeah, these days. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is. Let me. I always get this I'll wrong. I'll have to talk to my boss and see if I can get time off. But mm. it's it's a massive location. Uh, I want to say something like. It covers two acres or something. That sounds right. Christmas. You know. uh, but they've got 25-plus beers on tap. They've got a cocktail area. Um, there's a 400-seat beer garden with fire pits. And uh, it's just another awesome location from Drake. So go to drinkdrakes.com and check it out. Click on the barn. You can see some really cool photos there uh, and see what's happening. And I think we ought to go make a trip out of it. Absolutely. We should wait till after the fires, though. Has Alice, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the air quality here, if anyone's wondering out there, um, the fires are not near the Brewing Network studios. No. Uh, however, they are near uh, some of your favorite uh, places, including Sierra Nevada Brewery. And uh, so we're safe from them, but, but other people really aren't. It's, it's already turning into, um, I think the last I saw today, is the second deadliest fire in uh, the, the one, well, yeah, the one in Northern California is the second deadliest in, it's in the tied, I think. California. It's like 91. Or We've got 100 like missing, so it's going to it's, it's gonna gonna climb. Yeah. And I heard most structures in history, possibly. Of the yeah, state. I mean, it, it, it has virtually wiped out the entire town of Paradise. Uh, our thoughts go out to them. Um, and I just, it really sounded like a horrific uh, fire to start with, and it's still going very strong. Uh, so, you know, uh, keep an eye on that and, and, and keep them in your thoughts. Uh, everybody Absolutely. up there. Uh, down here, though, and I imagine through the entire state, the air quality is, is just awful. In fact, when the fire started, and, and I'm pretty sure that it was this, uh, there was ash falling in Concord. Wow. I, 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 I walked from my car to work that day, and I, I didn't know there was a fire yet. I, it looked very apocalyptic outside just yeah. with the air quality. But I also, there was all these kind of white flakes in the air, and I'm, I'm fairly certain it was ash. Yeah. And we're, we're over 200 miles south of that. Um, that's really a bad thing. And uh, so air quality is bad. I saw a lot of people. I saw a news van just around the corner here, and the newscaster was wearing a, a breathing mask. Um, because the air quality is that bad. You know, you don't, I don't, uh, I, you can smell fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a smoker anyway, but it doesn't like affect my breathing. But I did think about, like, I think those things are really long-term effects. And I always make fun of the people with the masks, but they're probably a lot smarter than me. Because <laughs> these things don't hit you right away when you're this far away. Mm-hmm. Maybe others can feel it more than I do, but yeah. air quality is awful all through California. Yeah, well, and they got the big fire in Ventura County in L.A. Like yeah. Malibu right. yeah, is pretty much gone. Yeah. Um, wow. But, you know, uh, when we were in Disneyland Saturday night, the Santa Ana winds, which basically, like, mm. dumps 
LA, the LA Basin air into the into fucking Anaheim. Suddenly it got super smoky wow. and windy, and you get grit in your eye. It was terrible. But mm. uh, driving up, <clears throat> they were cl- closing part of the 110, or maybe it was the 101 because of the fire. And so, anyway, we got on the five anyway and cleared the grapevine. And once you get into the grapevine or down the grapevine, that's when the smoke from our fire started. So all the way through the grapevine, like 250 miles away. You're just meeting each other. Yeah, it was just gnarly, dude. And that whole drive up smelled like smoke. And it was just, it was nasty. So yeah. it's, it's very bad. But like you said, Sierra Nevada, it's close to Sierra Nevada. They closed down a couple of days ago, but they reopened. Okay. And they have uh, free meals to first responders and anyone who has been displaced by the campfire. Wow. Yeah. And they were even offering campfire. some clothes, too. Yep. That's so, a lot of people that are displaced. Uh, what, a, what a nice thing for them to do. Yeah. Well, you know, take a look at other ways you can help if you're so inclined. Uh, I'm sure there'll be donation uh, sites set up uh, because a lot of people have lost their homes, businesses, uh, you name it. Um, I think the Rare Barrel's doing something with that, too. Like you go and buy one of the beers and they donate a pint oh, that's right. to okay. a local charity to help with that. Got yeah. it. So there's a lot of stuff like that going on. A lot of things you can do to help out here yeah. in California. We're a mess. We kind of are. <laughs> boy, are. Boy. Uh, also, Stan Lee died, speaking of messes. I don't know who that is. Stan <laughs> Marvel, the guy who created Mr. Like, Marvel. Spider-Man. Uh, okay. and fucking. He just has one name. Stan, yeah, <laughs> roll today. Anyway, it's just a bad day overall. Bad day. All right. Well, some things you can check out on the Brewing Network. We've got a lot of new shows out there. I told you about our Spanish-speaking podcast, Entre Cervezas. Feel free to share that with whoever you might think would be interested in learning about beer in another language. Shine Runner Craft Marketing. That's our that's our pro podcast. If you're looking for some marketing tips and tricks, and he covers a lot of things, including you know not just how to market your brand, but uh, how to compete on the show. Uh, how to work with distributors and keep them from, uh, you know, keep your brand from getting lost in the shuffle. How to address the the salespeople in those uh, distributorships. Uh, it really covers a lot of ground. You can uh, find those both on uh, Apple, iTunes, and the Google Play Store, as well as on our website, thebrewingnetwork.com. And coming up later this month, I, I think I'm going to get it launched. We've actually recorded several episodes. We got a brand new uh, show that's all about hops. Uh, it's called the Hop and Brew School Podcast, and uh, we're really covering, I mean, just everything about everyone's favorite ingredient. And uh, I'm really excited about that one. So be on the lookout for that. It's not available yet. We recorded a few episodes to get them ready and uh, should be able to get that out by the end of the month here. Cool. Uh, you can do your Amazon shopping with us. Uh, the UK can no longer do it. You guys, oh. you guys didn't shop enough through our link. Uh, but those of you in the U.S. still can. Just click the Shop Amazon link. It's on the left side of our homepage. And bookmark it. And then uh, you can just hit that bookmark and, and do all your shopping. And it's just a great way to support the BN. Thanks to all of you who do that already. And with the holidays coming up, we sure could use more of you to do it. Um, so please keep the us in mind when you're doing Amazon shopping. It's just a... a an easy way to uh, support the podcast you love. Um, you know, another way is, uh, I don't know if you guys have, have forgotten about this, but uh, you know, you can sign up for BYO Magazine through the Brewing Network. Sure. Oh. Um, you know, one of the few and great brewing magazines there are in the U.S. Uh, covers everything home brewing on that one. And if you click our BYO link, also on the left side of the page where all of our Support the BN links are, uh, it's another great way to you know get a little something extra out of it, too. You can subscribe and join the BN Army. Hit the Donate button. Any 
anywhere on the page. Um, and uh, for as little as $2 a month, you're entered into the More Beer Monthly Donation Giveaway. Uh, and uh, we give away $100 to spend at More Beer every single month to one of you. And the more you donate, the more uh, entries you have. And also just your recurring donations that so many of you have done for so long are, are super helpful. Don't forget about that. It, it's what keeps this thing going. Uh, and speaking of more beer, uh, this session is brought to you by the folks at More Beer, like it always has been since the very first day we started. And More Beer wants to change your malt game with Viking Malt. Hailing from Northern Europe, Viking Malt is family owned, a family-owned malt house since 1883, and it's the largest specialty malt producer in the world. Uh, here we go, JP. Their base malts are malted from no-lox varietals that don't contain the enzyme lipooxygenase. Lipoxygenase. Thank you. Uh, which leads to uh, trans 2 in beer, for those of you who know what that is. Uh, you got that one right. That's responsible for those stale cardboard flavors. So head over to morebeer.com and brew with ingredients from the future. Tell them you love us, too. Now, That's pretty good, better. man. Hey, three weeks, man. I'm, I'm almost there. Yeah. <laughs> You know. I'll just ch- I'll change it by the time you get I know. <laughs> rolling. Olin will be like, okay, here's what else we're selling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Olin impression. All right, sign up for all our social media things over on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We put the stuff that we love up there and send out messages and photos and uh, all kinds of ways to stay connected with the BN. Send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Send your show ideas to bevo at thebrewingnetwork.com. She does a good job of listening to you and putting uh, breweries on the air when you, when you send them in. So it's a good thing to do. All right. How about a Twitter game? How about it? Uh, I like it. Right. Uh, Twitter game is brought to you today by the Wine and Hop Shop. You can go to wineandhop.com, and they've been locally owned in Madison, Wisconsin, for over 40 years. Most of their items will ship within 24 hours. And BN listeners get $8 flat rate shipping on orders under 25 pounds. Just enter BN shipping in the notes field of the shopping cart, and your discount will be taken right after the checkout. Uh, Madison residents, you can order your homebrew supplies online at wineandhop.com and pick them up at Working Draft Beer Company, located on Wilson Street, right across from Central Park. They'll waive the shipping and give you half off your first beer. Go to wineandhop.com for that great deal and also thank them for being a longtime and strong supporter of the Brewing Network. What's our Twitter game? Well, uh, you know, I was thinking about branding the other day, as, you know, marketing professionals are wanting to do. Sure. Uh, that's what I've read. Anyway, I wouldn't know. Um, but I realized that, you know, everything kind of needs a rebrand. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, uh, Best Western Hotels. What are they now? They're Well, they're Bestest Best Western, Western, but they have uh, their logo is different. Okay. It looks a lot like Dairy Queen, okay. which is very weird. Yeah. Um, so in that, in that vein, yeah, everything <laughs> needs a rebrand. And as such, we are ditching... The name, the session. Okay, help us rename our cornerstone show. Yeah, we've done oh. this before in real in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we ended up with the uh, session. Uh, all right, rename the session. Yeah. I like this one. Let's go. Okay. Let's do a little feedback. Feedback's brought to you today, as always, by the Beer Law Center. Go to BeerLawCenter.com and check it out. And you know John over there does a great job with our trademark, protecting it right now as we speak, as a matter of fact. Really? And he can do the same for you. Uh, He can also help you with your uh, brewery paperwork filing, your legal filings, and uh, all things legality when it comes to craft beer. Go to BeerLawCenter.com and check it out. All right. Today in the feedback, Jimmy J from Wisconsin writes in, hey, when's the Rare Barrel podcast? 
<laughs> well, I assume he's talking about the sour hour, and maybe this email was sent uh, before it actually happened. But last Wednesday... Uh, Is the Rare Barrel show? <laughs> last Wednesday, Jay and Moscow recorded two episodes from the Rare Barrel. It went great. It was a really good... Uh, oh, that's right. You were there. Yeah. We yeah. went and, uh, and you know I had just set up the equipment, but uh, Vinny Chalurzo from Russian River was on. Uh, Cellar Maker was on there. Sante Adarius was on there. Uh, Almanac Beer was on there. Uh, I think I'm leaving somebody out, which I hate. When I mm-hmm. yeah, um, Rare Barrel was probably there. Uh, Rare Barrel was there. Probably. Uh, it was really cool. A lot of people came out for it. Uh, so thanks to everybody who did that. The awesome. podcast will post, I believe, later this month. Uh, it's just got to go in the in the lineup of of things that they do. So be on the lookout for that. It's a it's a good uh, sour podcast. You're going to want to listen to. Cool. All right, here we go. Here's a here's a long but a good one, I think, at least information-wise. It gave us a little something to talk about from Seth. Seth says, uh, I've officially lost all faith in BJCP judging. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, it's been building for a while now, and the last two weeks have solidified it for me, he says. I entered two competitions with the same two beers. The two beers were from the same batches. Bottled on the same day with my Blickman beer gun in a new, nice. uh, in new, clean, soaked in star sand bottles and handled identically. Uh, in competition number one, my barrel aged Imperial Stout scored a 38, and my Berliner Weitz scored a 31. Two weeks later, in competition number two, my Stout scored a 22, and the Berliner Weitz a 40. Hmm. He says, what the fuck? Makes no sense. Two beers, two completely different scores. You guys have always said to enter beers in competition to get feedback, but how am I supposed to trust any feedback with a range like this? One judge says my beer sucks, and another says it's awesome. A funny, read as sad, he says, side note to this is I entered an IPA that had a bit of diacetyl issue in one of the competitions. It scored a 38. (laughs) Just one more piece that tells me I'm done wasting my time on competitions. I have to finish by saying, he says, that I appreciate all the time and effort that goes into these competitions. I don't want to put anyone down. But if we're going to have BJCP certified judges that are supposed to give educated feedback, they need to be consistent across the board. Yeah. So, and I'm going to let you guys chime in on this. Uh, I'll start like I normally do by by just trying to the, to give the, the big picture so that we can you know narrow in from there. But uh, my understanding of how BJCP uh, sanctioned competitions work is that not every person that judges your beer might be a BJCP certified judge, and right. that's due to the fact that uh, there just aren't enough judges out there. And that, of course, can vary from region to region can vary from the size uh, or uh, longevity of the homebrew competition. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's a new one, they might be harder to get. But there is always at least one BJCP judge at the judging table. Mm. I think that's that's the standard. So that um, there are some standards there, and then the, the judges, you know, they discuss and, and come to a consensus. Um, so that's just kind of the background on it. Uh, now, we've heard this before, and we've also, I've talked to a lot of pro brewers about this, too. You know, competitions like the GABF and the, and the World Beer Cup could also see a lot of variance mm-hmm. um, in how, how beers are judged. And um, it's why I think we've always said, and, and I know pro brewers say all the time, that there's a certain amount of luck involved as well. Um, and, and those brewers that you see up there consistently... 
have kind of really figured out how the judging game works, uh, not just by repeatedly producing world-class beers, but maybe they've figured out which styles and which uh, types of, th- of things that stand out in a beer make them do better in competition. Yeah. Yes. On top of all that, judging is subjective, right? And on any given day, that subjectivity can change just like your own palate change. By the way, I'm not defending the BJCP. I certainly want to open this up to other opinions. Uh, I'm just, again, giving some of the layout. Any one of us, our our palate can really be different on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, did you stay out drinking too late the night before? Did you have curry? Uh, Any number of things, for example, might Mm -hmm. make you less sensitive to diacetyl one day, uh, to to use his own example of an IPA that scored well with a little diacetyl. Um, That then on, a, then on a different day, when, when all you would taste is diacetyl. Well, and that's where order in the flight can come into play, because what if the beer before him was a diacetyl bomb? Exactly. And okay. so yeah. maybe his little amount was masked, because they were just assaulted with it in the beer before. Yeah, or, you know, or his IPA tasted more like an IPA than the other three beers before it. So maybe, mm-hmm. like you said, one had diacetyl, the other was maybe more of a pale ale, and then by the third one, that just, who knows what it was, they get to his beer and like, oh, okay, this is an IPA, and maybe, yeah. I think <clears throat> just having organized competitions and judge competitions and talk to judges and doing Dr. Homebrew, of course, yeah. um, it, 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 it does all vary, and it is all luck, and, and to win, you kind of have to have this everything kind of just come together in this neat little package. Yeah. But it does start with you um, you know, you're bottling with a Blickman beer gun. It doesn't mean that, you know, your fermentation was good or that things didn't develop over the, a couple of weeks or that the package didn't sit over the weekend at the UPS or that hmm. even the place that was storing it. I mean, either places that for a first round at NHC didn't even have refrigeration. So there were entries staying, staying out for three weeks. Wow. Okay. In the summertime. Yeah. And that's just, that's going to throw some stuff off. So. You know, we always talk about <clears throat> having a few bottles of that batch bottled up at the same time, uh, and then taste when you, when you know that the you know judging is going to happen, right? To yeah. See if you can pick it up, or when you're reading your notes, maybe refrigerate some and leave some out. Yeah. Do it like a triangle test. Mm-hmm. Just taste all the different ways, and then look through your notes and see if there's anything consistent. If you can find a commonality, then that's really the problem. Mm-hmm. Judging is always going to be off. It's always going to be skewed. It's always going to be weird. Mm. Um, because, like you said, I mean, when I was running competitions for more beer, there were dudes who showed up drinking coffee, and they'll go out for a smoke, and then they'll come and judge. And it's like, right. you can't, th- this, is not, this is not how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. So it's, and you've it, also expressed your displeasure with some of the judges and judging yeah. that takes place in the past. Yeah, it's very, very infuriating to, to get feedback from two people on one sheet, you know, on, on one beer, both judges, and they contradict each other. They're yeah. supposed to talk about that shit. Right. Another thing is some judges think that their job is to point out flaws, and that's not their job. Their job is to, to, to explain how your beer was to style and how it was not to style. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's no feedback. There's no nothing. So it just it just depends on their training. It depends on yeah. who taught them. And because it's all volunteer run, nobody gets paid for it. So right. you know, it's just like public schools. Some people know the earth is uh, flat. Some people don't. <laughs> Evolution Casey, happened or it didn't. What What's your take on this? You've been well, involved I got, in. Yeah, I got stacks of uh, score sheets at home to yeah. to go back and think about. Uh, I, what I did have found when I was competing, and I, I probably stopped quite a while ago. I don't know if the judging pool is different now. It might be a little more 
little more diluted in terms of quality because there's a lot more competitions and a lot more judges are needed. That means there's probably more new judges. Mm. But again, like you say, they're always paired with a, with a senior judge, and, those, and they, they discuss the beer, and they got to be within a few points of each other. It's not like the guy, one guy will give it a 20, and then I'll give it a 40, and you go like, oh, we'll make it 30. No, you have mm-hmm. to come to some consensus about yeah. what, you know, what you think the number should be. You might have to go even further, further up or further down, whatever. Uh, what, I, what I found is that if you, if, you, if you know good beer yourself and you enter good beer, you're generally going to get good results. You're going to get something that's close. And, I, and then, of course, you'd always get the outlier, right? You'd look at the, the score sheet and there'd be some judge that you may or may not know. Uh, I'd been in it a while, so I knew most of the judges. And you could see that some, you know, over time you could tell who knows and who doesn't know. And, right. And their names are as follows. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I never... Uh, Never contacted anybody or called anybody out, but I always would take their results with a grain of salt. Yeah. Sometimes they, they judge me way too high. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they judge me way too low. But you know, you just take it with a grain of salt. And then uh, you know, there was always like some stellar judge that would you get him and go, "Oh, yeah, this is going to be great. This, cause this, this is Dave Techham. He's going to love my beers because I know it's really good." Yeah. And sure enough, he did like it. So you, you get validated by when you know you've got a good judge, and that's kind of the problem with being like a first or second time entrant. And I got a sense our our, our, our writer here. Hasn't been doing a lot of uh, competitions. Otherwise, he'd be a little bit more callous about it all. <laughs> right, already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's got a really limited experience there. I mean, just like all the luck that items that JP uh, listed, and I think he got them all, uh, in terms of like, you know, storage and, and how mm-hmm. you, you know, yeah. need variation in bottling and handling and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, given that variability and then the variability of the people themselves, you got these four people that judge these two beers of his. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot of randomness there. I, if they came out the same, I'd be more surprised I than see. the fact that they came out different. Now, those are large differences. The big swing, 10-point difference is a lot. Yeah. So he, and, he, and he makes a valid point in, his, uh, in, in what he's saying. It is a lot of discrepancy. But, you know, they're, they're human beings. And, uh, you know, the guy, the guy they, loved, they might have loved your beer the first time, and then it turns out they don't like it the next time. Yeah, and I wouldn't give up on, on competitions like, the, no, like yeah. Seth is, uh, is saying he might do. Yeah. Uh, because as Tasty said, uh, actually, sorry, as JP said, uh, you might find some consensus over time or with different things, and that stuff really is valuable. Yeah. Um, you need to look for trends. Yeah, I'd be interested in actually, uh, Seth, next time you do this, dude, um, you know, bottle like 12 of your beers or whatever, and then drink them over time, but drink one and make notes, and then two weeks later... Let it sit on the counter, and then two weeks later, drink it again and take notes mm-hmm. and see how your notes match up. Yeah, because the beer could change over time, but also it'll be a good demonstration on your palate changing and how that how that does happen. It varies from from day to day, and yeah. it's, it's just you know, it is what it is. I, I, I would always bottle extra and then taste at yeah. least some of it on the day that you the judges it. were judging the beer. Also, well, to it, see how that. And then when you get the score sheets back, it's always nice to have one right. where you can like. Yeah, be, yeah, because then it's really, really, it, it really justifies your anger. And then you learn. It's like, fucking taste it. It's a fucking 40 beer. It's not a 20. Right. When you tear the score sheets in half, it's justified. Right. With your butt cheeks. Right. Right. And then done with this. And if you do get a judge that knows what he's doing and you'll eventually know who they are, Mm -hmm. or maybe maybe he's a national ring judge. Oh, a national ring judge judge my beer. Let me get let me get out and see see what he says. And oh yeah, you can learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because again, but, the, the better judge you are at beer, the better beer you're going to enter. Yeah, two things. I think Tasty's take it with a grain of salt is good because it's first of all, it's just beer. Who gives a shit? But also, be a, become a judge, become a BJCP yeah. judge. Yeah, uh, that's going to teach you a lot about what judges actually look for. Uh, email JP at the and get on Doctor Homebrew 
and then we'll have two two master. Actually, Brian Shar is a grandmaster. He's been on oh. the past couple of shows. Oh. Okay, and we'll do thirty minutes on your beer, and you can right. ask questions. Okay, yeah, all right. Perfect. I got to get us moving. Uh, the last thing I'll just suggest to us all here in the studio is I I do wonder if it's also time to revisit and do another BJCP show and see. You know, I know of course they they update the. The guidelines themselves, but I'm curious also uh, if there are any current uh, or past efforts to solve some of these issues we're talking about. And, and we should try that. to get a couple, like David Techum, like Tacey said, he's the the the, the dude in the Sacramento kind of area who tests every ta- uh, teaches everybody. We can get Brian Shaw and Brian uh, Cooper on too, and just do a judge like panel I yeah. guess, on, yeah. on how to deal with that because now there are new styles that weren't around yeah the first yep. BJC merged and all that kind yeah. of stuff. all right there you go seth it's a lot of time on your email hope we help yeah don't kill yourself seth all right and then real quick uh, one last one we get to hear from tim he writes in that he just listened to the plan b a brewery episode of the session um, and he says, I- I'm a little behind, so sorry if you've already followed up with this, but I may have some insight to your story in relation to the women's group lawsuit. <laughs> and this was my own anecdote that I brought up. It wasn't about the uh, lawsuit that took place with Eagle Rock. I added in another thing talking about how every small business owner gets sued and sometimes for frivolous things. Uh, so he, that's what he's talking about here. He says, in relation to the uh, women's group lawsuit in which the breastfeeding uh, lawsuit was brought up. Oh, right. And of course, I didn't say who that was. Just a friend of mine had talked about it. And I, and I had mentioned um, that uh, there was a, a, a safe uh, and clean place provided. And the, the person I was talking about got sued because he wouldn't provide his office, his personal office yeah. mm-hmm. for that to happen and was sued. Well, Tim says, in Virginia, employers must provide a safe, clean, secure, and sanitary environment for women to to pump. Uh, So a bathroom not being a sanitary environment wouldn't be an acceptable place to pump. In my business, he says, we do what the manager in your story didn't want to do, and we give up our office for 15 minutes. So he says, if the laws are the same wherever this happened in the story that you referenced, then she probably had every right to open a lawsuit. Now it's cheers from Tim. So, yep, I guess you're right. It depends on what those laws are, and, and that might might have been the case here, too. I'm, I'm not really sure. I'll tell you what, dude. If you're a nursing mother or, or uh, have a baby and you're a dad, mm-hmm. go to Disneyland. They have, whole, like, this whole room mm-hmm. that's super air-conditioned, super quiet with, like, nursing stations and breastfeeding, high chairs and all this. It's, it was fucking mm-hmm. rad. Nice. Man. Fifteen minutes just hanging out with the kid, no one in there. Yeah. It was uh it was really dope. They 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 really do try to provide for for people like that. In, in a restaurant, why can't they just say you can leave <laughs> and like go to your car or do something just go outside? <laughs> we like, why to, is that not okay? We went to UCLA because uh, Taryn went to school there and uh they didn't really i don't know if they had a breastfeeding thing right but hmm. she was just feeding the kid in the parking structure at ucla like it wasn't a big thing we're just sitting <laughs> it's in the not car. a big deal yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i don't know man i don't have boobs that mm. big all right let me get us to a break here uh but before we do i want to let you know about our friends over in philadelphia neshemany creek brewing company you can go check out neshemany creek brewing at neshemanycreekbrewing.com <laughs> and they've been brewing award-winning beers in croydon pennsylvania forgive me not quite from philly uh since 2012 oh i'm an idiot from philly yes uh proud winners of four philly beer scene magazine awards for brewer of the year and three for brewery of the year uh two-time 
GABF Vienna style lager uh, medal winner, uh, 2013 gold, 2016 bronze. Uh, also a bronze for their smoke lager in 16 and 17. They got a big ass tap room with 24 beers on tap, 18 of which are rotating seasonal limited beers. Variety of beer styles from hoppy double IPAs to sessionable and poundable lagers and even oak fermented saisons and sour beers. If you can't make it to Croydon, hit up their second location in Jenkintown called the Borough Brew House, which features a full menu and 22 beers on tap, including guest taps from local breweries, meaderies, as well as Pennsylvania cider. Go check them out at uh, NeshaminiCreekBrewing.com and let them know you heard about them right here on the Brewing Network. All right. With that, we're going to take us a little break here. And when we come back, we've got Wolf Hills Brewing Company from Virginia on the show. We're going to be talking to Chris Bircher. We'll learn about their beers and hyper-local breweries as well. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. Hey, motherfuckers, this is Doug from fucking Society. You're listening to the session on the fucking Bruin Network. Fuck you. All right, Doug. Yeah. Welcome back to Doug. the session, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. As promised, we got Wolf Hills Brewing Company on the air with us. Uh, but first, 
Go get your free 21-day trial of the Beersmith Brewing software. Go to Beersmith.com, and uh, you can download it for Mac or uh, PC. It does everything and a whole lot more now. Uh, a brand-new water profile tool, uh, support for mead, wine, and cider, a mash pH estimation and adjustment right in the recipe builder, and new support for Hop Whirlpool editions, including time and temperature for each item. Go check it out, Beersmith.com. You get your free 21-day trial, so you don't even have to take our word for it. Although you should. We're smart-ish. Yeah, we know stuff. Yeah. Just ask us. We, we have words. Take one, please. <laughs> we know things. All right. We should have Chris Bircher on the line from Wolf Hills Brewing Company. Welcome to the program, Chris. What is it that is up? <laughs> I don't know. We're about to find out with you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> listeners, you can go to wolfhillsbrewing.com and follow along. Check out some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Uh, it's just a great place to learn more about Wolf Hills. Uh, now, you guys are from, uh, I'm going to probably butcher the name of the city, Abingdon, Virginia? Hey, you got it. You I got it. it. Yeah, nice. it's at Abingdon. Got it. Okay. How long you been open there? 2009. Okay. You've been around for a little so. while, you guys. It's our 10th year, yeah. Wow. Crazy. That's exciting. And uh, were you a, a pro brewer before or a home brewer? No, yeah, obsessive home brewer like so many others. Okay. <laughs> How long were you a home brewer? Uh, probably four or five years. I was a stay-at-home dad. I needed a manly hobby. I got into beer and got obsessive. Okay. I was just talking to somebody the other day about home brewing and... You know, it's not exactly in decline, but it, it saw a little uh, leveling, leveling out a few years ago. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I had always attributed that to the amount of craft breweries that were opening up. You know, it used to be that you kind okay. of brewed to get the beer you wanted, and now almost every ha- everyone has a local uh, brewery. But but the person I was talking to, Chris, also kind of had a, had another addition to that, and that, that is home brewing is now the gateway to pro brewing. And that, <laughs> and that people might brew for just a year or two, or gosh, some of them we've talked to might brew four mm-hmm. batches and then decide, you know what, I'm quitting my job and going pro. What do you think about that, Chris? Well, you... Hey, in 2009, they called us all crazy. Right. So that's a completely bizarre concept to me, but it seems to be happening like that. I think so. Um, more and more of the breweries we talked to didn't brew, didn't homebrew for 10 years. You know, Jamil Zanishev, uh, you know, one of our hosts and owner of Heretic, gosh, that guy brewed for 10 yeah, years right. or more before going pro. And a lot yeah. of times, uh, a lot of times you skip that now. <laughs> You know, yes, you can. I don't know. You know what I heard today or just recently, like on um, I don't know if it was untapped or TripAdvisor or something. A guy said gave us one star rating and said, this is another stupid microbrewery. It's the reason that I can't get good import beer anymore. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's I heard that. I just, maybe he wasn't a home brewer. I don't know. That might be the dumbest thing I've ever, I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, that, but yeah. also, it's accurate. Yeah. Mm. No, no, no. That sounds like it, the smartest thing I've read on Untapped or heard <laughs> on Untapped. I think it was TripAdvisor, so I don't want to. Was it, was it your brewery, Chris? Yeah, yeah. It was about the brewery. Came for an event. We used to do this thing from time to time where we would make our brewery guests read their bad Twitter reviews and, <laughs> and, or, or rating site reviews. Yeah. And, and that, one, uh, that one would have been perfect. And you almost can dis- disqualify almost all of the bad bad reviews it's it's pretty rare that you see one that has merit you know from a yes. from a beer judge or another pro for example they're usually like uh i hate this ipa and i don't know why they call it a lager <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four out of five stars yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh well next time you're on the show we're gonna make you do that chris <laughs> hey it's funny that you say that i've been a listener since 
before the brewery. I mean, when I was home brewing, you guys are a huge influence. Oh, cool. And I, I, yeah, I actually emailed Chat uh, probably 2010 nice. to be on the show. But he said, uh, you guys had just done a small local brewery. Why would they want to do that again? <laughs> oh, my wow. God. Wow. I mean, he's, look, again, accurate. Chris, did I meet you recently? You told me that? Or that's like the third person who told me that Shat's <laughs> response to them is, why would we do that again? Oh, man. And I'm like, can't you find a more polite way to say, like, hey, we'll put you in the rotation. We just, why do you have to say, why would I do that again? Why would I? No. And also, hi, we're a podcast. We interview breweries. Right. Good. Could you forward that or send that back to us so then we could send it to him when he asks to be on the show? There, right. Wow. It's all good. Yeah, it's not, that's not very nice. <laughs> um, well, we've got some of your beer in front of us. Um, but before we before we taste it, I, I kind of wanted to jump right into something I found interesting in my, my show notes about you. A cure for cancer. And uh, that would be very interesting. <laughs> and that's that you guys have grown over the years, but you're now actually shrinking distribution in order to focus more on, on your local market. And I wonder if you can talk to me a little bit about that. Well, yeah, there's a lot in there. So um, I haven't had a full-time presence in the brewery for a lot of years. I started it. I sort of got divorced and I had to get a real job Okay, uh, and then uh, hire people to brew. And then over the last year or so, I came back to the helm as sort of a, I don't know, director, manager, I don't know what you want to call me. Okay. I have a brewer, and I do all the other stuff. All right, hang on. Uh, I got to interrupt real quick. Did you yeah. did you get divorced because of the brewery? <laughs> no, but okay. My ex wife tried to get the brewery. Oh, <laughs> I bet. Mm. What's a woman going to do with a brewery? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> my partner said they'd put her to work. So right. <laughs> I bet that cost you a little bit of money to keep the brewery, though. But uh, it worked out in the end. But okay. but being you know being sort of not fully involved for the you know 2015 the yeah. big okay big years, uh, was interesting and sort of when I got back and looked at it I said we're we're spending too much money playing this game of trying to grow it costs a lot of money to sell each other barrel you know every mm-hmm. every keg you might get forty bucks for it costs you thirty nine to sell it right. And, uh, that that wasn't taking us in the good direction. And so, yeah, I thought, um, let's just keep what we got. We sort of know what our market is. We've got nine years of data. I know who's going to come in. It's predictable year to year. Um, well, you know, the last couple of years. And so let's, let's sort of like a short order cook, right? You order a hamburger, I make you a hamburger. I don't come in and make 40 hamburgers and hope 40 people come in. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, it's amazing how much different things are we got more money in the bank and we're smaller than we used to be you know i don't now it goes against everything you learned in economics in high school right <laughs> yeah that growing is the way to go right just you know create more yeah. market and sell to that market but uh, well, all right we're going to come back to that because i want to talk yeah, about yeah. some of the specific yeah. things that you you feel were, were allowed allowed you to be more profitable um but so when you left the brewery did did you have partners that that ran it for you well, yeah, I mean, okay. I was always the overseer. I just wasn't in the brewery every day. Uh, you know, my, I had a job that was literally like I could throw a rock and hit the brewery from my office. So okay. I was involved. Just, but, yeah, I do have two partners, and we, it's a nice little division of labor. Uh, one of them sort of runs the events and the tasting room side, and I sort of make sure I run the brewery side. But you had left your other job and, and worked full-time at the brewery for a period of time when you opened. 
Well, I was a stay-at-home dad, so I didn't have another job to leave. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I did it in my spare time. See, that was the plan, right? I mean, I, the sugar mama allowed me to work for free until the brewery was built and my kids got older and I had a job. Got it. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Was the... But at the point then, you, that sort of falls apart and you and you have to go get another job. I'm curious about about that difficulty. I mean, just in, oh, in, your, in your head. I mean, here you have what I presume is, was a successful brewery. It's still open, but you, you, you're <laughs> like, I got to go get a day job. Yeah, dude. You're yeah. You, I mean, it was terrible having to hire somebody to do the job I had created for myself. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's in the book. I, I've written a, a, a on ebook on this and that's in there. It's um, yeah, it was not easy, but I found that the first guy I hired was great. I mean, it was perfect. He was Real touchy-feely, just a real good spirit. Um, he had worked on a similar system, um, home brewer, wanting the shot. Okay. Um, and so that worked out really well. And then over the years, we hired a couple more brewers, and maybe those were good or bad ideas, depending on how you look at it. Right. Uh, but, by the, but by the time I came back, the brewery was a completely different place. It had grown, you know, on its own, okay. right? So. Yeah. And, and by the way, uh, listeners, uh, Chris's book is called A Good Hobby Mashed, Journey from Home Brewer to Craft Brewery Owner. And I believe you can find that over on Amazon. Uh, is it just digital or? Yeah, uh, it's yeah. just a 99 cent ebook. It was cool. You know, I could self-publish it that way. But yeah, thanks for mentioning no, that. No, of course. Hey, if you're looking to, to, to do what Chris did here, go check it out. If nothing else, you're probably going to get some pretty damn good anecdotes about going from uh, home brewer to craft brewery owner. What kind of the scale best- of growth are we talking about? Like, when, How big was it, the brewery, originally, and then yeah. now where are we talking? Yeah, we were, first couple years, well, I was a one-barrel system, first couple years, and I did about 100 barrels for a year and a half. And then we're just selling growlers, couldn't sell pints in Virginia. We thought we were going to be distribution only, which is just crazy to think about now. Mm-hmm. Right. But we discovered growlers sort of. We wanted to do all kegs, discovered growlers, did 100 barrels, um, decided we we're going to buy a brewery, a real, a real brewery, and bought that. And that took a year to get running. And by the time, it's funny, by the time I made the first batch of beer on that system, you know, actually trying to learn it, that's when I had to get a job. So wow. I made three batches of beer. Two of them were sellable. <laughs> and the other guy came in, and uh, we had to f- sort of figure it out together. Man. Luckily. Can I get your shrink's name for whatever antidepressants <laughs> he gave you during that period of your life? Because that sounds awful. It, 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 yeah, it was. It was pretty bad. But it's gotten a lot better. I mean, weather the storm, right? I mean, that's one thing we've done. We had a lot of other stories like that. We had to buy a partner out. You know, a lot of crazy things happen but we weathered those storms right so yeah. we are where we are for some reason i guess well it kept it interesting anyway i've said on this show that uh you know those days in our garage where we were it's still a struggle sometimes but like the, we were really struggling just to to be anything are also more uh, are also a little more fun than they are now so i guess it kept it interesting yeah, yeah. That's the thing about this industry. I mean, I'm as interested now about this what's happening in the industry, you know, beyond way beyond us, as I was in learning about what mash temperature does to attenuation. You know, I mean it's right. It's a lifetime's endeavor that's fascinating on so many levels. Yeah, absolutely. But maybe not as fun as it used to be. Yeah, and that's all relative, right? Maybe when we get even older and, and, and hopefully smarter, <laughs> we'll go, No, that sucked. It's fun now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, we'll see. Are you going to write a book, Justin? 
the memoir. <laughs> Mine's going to be more like Kanye West book, where it's like you know four words per Books. page. <laughs> Podcast be easy and shit. Yeah, and uh, and it'll mostly be complaining with a few things of like, hey, stop complaining and enjoy it, or something like that. That's yeah. my book. I think it'd be good. Yeah, isn't that what all yourself. memoirs are? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, all right. Let's just do a, a little transition, and we'll go. We'll go back to this. Um, but we got, uh, like I said, a couple beers in our glass, and um, the first one, uh, the first one we're trying right now is your Old Ice House Farmhouse Ale. Perfect. Tell us so about that, this beer. Well, the picture on the can number one is uh, of the brewery. There's some. It's an old ice house. It was built in like 1890, like right after the Civil War. Got it. Uh, and it, we haven't changed it a whole lot. Um, and that's an interesting story that uh, I, I get. The, those beers are all the beers that we uh, did, um, package. That's why I sent them. Um, okay. And the Ice House was one where our distributor said, you guys need something crisp and 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 drinkable, something for my market, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Still very BMC. And uh, we said, okay, we got an idea. We'll do this sort of Saizani farmhouse sale. It's a little bit, a little bit interesting, but it's still drinkable. And they didn't buy any of it. Oh. So what's interesting about that beer is I still had, I had bought whatever, 10,000, you know, four pallets of cases, whatever the minimum was at the time of cans. Right. And I had cans left over. And so I said, we got to use these cans. So I'm going to put this, we're going to do this beer again and put it in cans and we'll sell them out of the tasting room. Now, why didn't the distributor want it? <laughs> I, I, that's a huge conversation. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> It's a combination of things. I mean, as big breweries started taking over more shelf space in grocery stores, they pushed us out. Um, okay. And so we went from having space to do three or four brands to you got your two. That's what you get. Uh, we're not buying anymore. But what was interesting about that is they said, please do this. We'll buy it. Right. Yeah. A couple so, months went by. We made an investment, and then they didn't buy it. By big brands, are you uh, saying – Macro beer, or are you talking like regional no, craft well, breweries? Of, this was about the time when all the expansions. So I'm talking Stone, Elysian, Ballast Point, Devil's Backbone for us. You know, as the as the big breweries got on the bud trucks, okay, uh, hmm. they took space. Well, first of all, what a kick to the junk to for them to ask you to do it and then say, you know, now this we, one now it is. Now. I mean, uh, now but, what were the two they let you have? Obviously, an IPA, right? Yeah, the, the so the honey cream ale and our troopers, um, okay. the, the blue the yellow can and the blue can that you have. Got it. Are, okay, are, I've been our. And we never – well, we can talk about those beers in the original when we get there. Yeah, we're going mm-hmm. to try the IPA next, and then we're going to say we've got some okay. cream ale from you that we're going to try at the end of the of the, of the second yeah. segment. Because um, now I was wondering if they maybe said no because it's a farmhouse, but I, I was going to point out that, you know, they asked you for something, you know, crisp and light, and I think you've produced that. And I think the farmhouse quality of this beer is somewhat subdued. Well, yeah, and you know what? It's because it's um, – and this is another – big part of my sort of philosophy is I'm frugal and I have to be. And (laughs) that, that is actually dry yeast. And you just, I can't get the, well, and and maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. I mean, I think for our market, that beer sells great out of our tap room and six packs, but it is, it's, it's as much as I can get out of the, Dry yeast. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, but I like it subdued. I'm not the biggest farmhouse fan, um, uh, so I like the just subtle uh, quality coming out there. Just enough to know it's there. Yeah. I like how carbonated this is. This is very spritzy. Yeah. Almost champagne-like. Yeah. (laughs) It's the best we can do, too. It's as high as we can get it. (laughs) I don't think you should go higher. All all three of those beers are for my market. I mean, those are the beers Mm. 
that people drink. It's what people are sort of telling me they want. You know, like a lot of breweries, we've started off brewing what we wanted. And um, in 2009 and 10, that was ridiculous, right? So we had to <laughs> dial it way back. What were you, what first, were you brewing then that, was, that had to get ridiculous? Well, I mean, it was all double IPA back. You know, that's what, that's what I wanted to drink. And even our amber ale was like, you know, an, an India red ale or whatever at the time. Big stouts. Um, just we went way too far <laughs> to the other side. And our, our, um, our clientele needed a little help. Got and it. So, yeah, and it's funny because the other two beers haven't changed in probably nine years. And I'm at the point now where it's sort of like, what do I do about this? Am I still going to continue to package these things because it's what people buy? Can I get away with pushing the envelope a little bit more, feeling it out? Got are, it. Are there other small craft breweries that are, are local to you or very close? It's crazy. There are... Um, 15 within 45 minutes and in that wow. for, 45 minute radius. So in that circle, there's probably fewer than a hundred thousand people. Wow. Okay. So yeah, we, it's funny because Adroit theory was on uh, a while back and yeah. they were talking mm-hmm. about being in a rural town of 10,000, but they're outside of DC. You know, it's like <laughs> right. you've got three and a half million people within 30 minutes. That's a good I point. Literally, we don't have many people. So, uh, Wow, the number of you know, the number of breweries per capita is is insane. Were, um, were you one of the first ten years we, ago? We were, we were the second. Second, okay, okay. yeah, bastards. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's funny the way market share works, and I think we're a really good sort of indicator of what's going on in the world because we do, do represent sort of where those things start. You know, fifteen breweries is too many for our population. And so can you scale that up and say, what's too many for L.A. or, you know, what's too many for Richmond or whatever? Um, but what I'm seeing, I, I saw an effect on the shelves from the macros getting bought out. And I'm, I see an effect in the tap room as the local breweries nearby opened up. I mean, it's pretty straightforward math. Right. Uh, well, I'm not complaining. It's just it's 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 real. I want to come back to a little bit more of that in the second segment. Um, but right now, I, I want to talk about what specifically you think uh, helped out your bottom line when you pulled back distribution. Well, I mean, it's fun. Dry yeast is one thing. Okay. You know, not, um, just being really careful about what we order based on what I know I'm going to sell. So ha- having an idea of our demographic and what the patterns are, which, you know, you need data to get. You can't, I don't know if you can do that before you open a brewery. Right. But I, I have an idea what the numbers are, how much, you know, stock to keep, um, getting out of loosening my hop contracts a little bit. Um, because, man, I was I, I was contracted for high enough hops for 25 years. Wow. That's crazy, yeah. So the wild card in that scenario with your distribution w- w- was larger was that those those that in that data wasn't so concise because you didn't know how much you you were distributors were going to take or that you would sell. You only had hard data on your local market. Is that about right? Yeah, it is. And there was a time, 2015, we wanted to we were, you know, we were going to buy a 20 barrel system and expand and sort of take advantage of what to Beardy's question. You know, we went from 100 barrels to 300 to 600 to 1200 the first few years, so things were looking really good. Yeah. Um, luckily, we didn't make that jump because that's when everything changed and sort of shifted um, what we could sell. You know, that's that's our big thing is our market is finite. 
we don't attract new people because there ain't no new people coming. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hmm. They're not moving here. There's a tourist industry, but that's pretty static year to year. I can predict what that's going to be. Okay. Are the you know? beer drinkers trendy or are they more just, these are the styles we know and we like, and we don't really care about what everyone else is drinking. It's like 80, 20. I mean, I have the beer geeks, um, the hazy, you know, but think about it. So you got the hazy bros in um, Boston, let's say they represent 1% of the pop- general population, but that still may be 50,000 people here. It's two. Got it. So am I gonna, they're not going to buy seven barrels, <laughs> but, but those beers actually do sell. You know, we, we do, I've got 14 beers on tap and a lot of them are crazy. Um, but just not at the rate. Um, yeah. People are selling them. So, uh, JP, are you going to put uh, Abingdon, Virginia, on your moving list <laughs> since there's only two beer bros out there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, you know, we'll see the proliferation of uh, flat built hats. That's also the other. Yeah, they go hand in hand. One precedes the other. It's a telltale sign. Yeah, absolutely, that the wave is coming. You have an infestation. <laughs> the flatter the bill. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's try your IPA too before we have to take a break. Tell, a- tell us about this one. Oh yeah. Well, that's um, you know, it's a very much 2010 pre West Coast meets East Coast IPA. I mean, it's orange, it's uh, all sea hops, and uh, and I largely haven't changed it because again, we bought four giant stacks of cans of that beer, and I'm and I'm running them out. <laughs> They're going to be gone in in January, so I'm at the point where again, I do I change this? Do I? Right. I've got three other IPAs on in the tap room that do better. Um, but, uh, what's interesting about that beer is it, it used to have Columbus in the dry hop and a brewer friend of mine in Johnson city that's getting ready to start a sour uh, and a IPA brewery said, yeah, your trooper's really great. But every once in a while I get some that's oniony hmm. and I thought that's interesting. He's like, oh yeah, old Columbus hops can go oniony on you. So I come back and I go through all my Columbus hops made another beer with it. And damn, if, like it, all I got was like spaghetti sauce. Okay. Wow. Which I never knew. I never knew that that could happen. Um, but the, so we took that out of the dry hop, and that sort of solved that problem. Yeah, we. I uh, was just mentioning a new hop show that we've been doing. We haven't we haven't uh, made it public yet, but we were just talking about that. And some of the hops, um, the the more of the desirable qualities the hops have, uh, the oils that you want, uh, some of the, the the strong terpenes that you want, um, the faster they are to also go awry with things like onion and garlic, among other things. Interesting. So, yeah. so all of those hops that we've loved for years, the sea hops kind of fall in that category that if they're not kept in the right conditions constantly, they can very quickly turn into some of those flavors that's yeah it's fascinating you know we have another beer we call for science that an ipa that we're we're learning it's sort of our experimental beer so i can learn about some of these things what hops do over time what happens um when you add them during fermentation all those other things right it, it's amazing after nine years i you know i know less than i did when i started <laughs> right <laughs> that's possible isn't that how it goes well i like this hybrid ipa if, if that's what i can call it between the west coast and the east coast it is not overly bitter uh, and this is a dry yeast beer also 
Yep, yep. That's um, no, it's all. I use all fermentous bricks. Okay, because I think you got your fermentation down on this. It it it's dry. Um, I love. I feel like you almost can't go wrong with sea hops, but it's not. Uh, it, it's not that old school East Coast IPA. Um, sweet and not dry and mm-hmm. like you said it's not quite completely west coast where it's, you know all the hops just kind of rip your face off it really is in the middle and i like that it's actually enjoyable <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah yeah so, somebody people around here say well yeah, that tastes like beer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're meaning yeah Budweiser or miller light and it's like yeah it does and i you know personally i don't i don't want that but right that's what people <laughs> And you know, I'm noticing too as my hop contracts are, but those hops are old, and so I'm I'm learning that my dry hopping rate needs to come up a little bit. Uh, I'm not getting as much out of that beer as I'd like. Yeah, I can see that anymore. I mean, it's it does have a nice aroma. One of the things I, I like about the sea hops, and especially because it can kind of contrast with a lot of the other IPAs, it's not just a, a citrus bomb. There's a lot of the the flowery herbal uh, mm-hmm. notes I think that come out of this beer. Uh, that it's it's a nice change. It actually to me makes it stand out um, among, oh, among IPAs. But uh, I could see how you might want to adjust the dry hop a little bit. Yeah, and we, and again, we have other beers for that. It's just a matter of uh, what do right. I want to do with this one. Yeah. And, and now, is your plan to just kind of sell the cans out of this one and then maybe have a new flagship? or If we can get away with that in distribution. You know, I'm doing, I don't know, four or 500 cases of this a year. So if <laughs> if I don't, I don't know what to believe. You know, I want to sub in something that's cheaper to make, that's more shelf-stable. You know, so I had a guy a couple months ago email me with a trooper, and he was, you know, just asking why it why it wasn't happy or something. And I said, "Flip the can over. Can you look at the date?" And it was from 2016. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's not <laughs> when you want to be drinking IPAs that are two years old. Yeah. No. So if I can't control that, um, yeah, I'm looking. I'd like to replace it with something, maybe a Kolsch Pilsner something that's more shelf stable yeah that I'm, but if i can't do that i i don't know i'll keep making it i'd really like to shift to more tasting room sales but i don't know you know if you can't get it in the store will people come and buy it out of the tasting room only right i, I don't know that that's a thing for us there's not certainly not going to be lines <laughs> right well, often those are two sets two different sets of people the people that drink out and the people that drink in yeah but you're allowed to sell pints out of the tasting room now yeah, yeah, 2012, yeah. They, they changed the law. So, yeah, we got a, a bump in Taste of Grim, and, and that stayed pretty consistent over the last couple of years. Nice. After slowed good. a little bit. Good. That's dope. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I agree with your customers on the Trooper. It does have a good beer beer character. Um, what are the base? Is there two different base malts, two, two base malts in a beer? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's well, it's um, that one. We just switched from sort of pale malt to two row to try to lighten it up a little bit, mm-hmm. and and Munich caramel. Okay, um, that's, what I think. that's it. Yeah, that's what's giving it that uh, good beer. Oh, C forty, yeah, there's C little C forty. Yeah, I didn't figure this something, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't see it having an East Coast balance. I see it, you know, more like a yeah. It's dry like a West Coast. It's dry and, like a West Coast. Mm-hmm. But well, I guess I'm just saying it's not. A, it's also not a hop bomb like a West well, Coast. Well, no. If, yeah, West right. Coast IPA you know. is a hop forward, yeah. know, really hop forward, obviously hop forward yeah. beer. Uh, but we we make beers just like this out here all the time. I can go outside and 
to the bar here and get a beer that's similar balance. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that, Tasty. That's good to know. I, I don't get out to California very much. <laughs> I send you a trip. Just send me a hundred bucks. <laughs> <You're not> mis- <laughs> well, you, I mean, you just finally got to quit your fucking job, so uh, <laughs> vacations will happen again soon. <laughs> Can I just say also that I I really appreciate your honesty about costs and cutting costs. I think it's really refreshing on here that you, I think breweries um, do that, but don't like to talk about it because it's not very sexy. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've had other brewers on and, and sometimes we praise them too, who are like, we don't care what it costs, we, you know, whatever the best absolute thing is. But of course... You know, I'm the one who pays for that, so of course you don't care. I mean, the cost of your your, your six pack went up three or four dollars, right, right. right? And there's a place for that. But I'm I just like that you're talking about some of the specific things you did, and even with this beer. And I said, well, you replace it. You'll say, well, yeah, but I'd still like to make a a, a cheaper to brew IPA if I do. And you're a business owner after all. And I just not everybody on here talks about that because we everyone's supposed to be a beer nerd if you're a craft brewer. Never mind a business person right yeah well, i appreciate that i mean that the, the best compliment i've gotten from my book from several people is that i'm, I'm honest you know that's like uh, vulnerable right and I don't, I don't know any other way to be but because i don't hear these things being talked about very often yeah well and another guy who's like that at least he was on our show and he was in his book is uh oh what's his name from lagunitas uh, Tony McGee. Tony, and I and I wonder if this was something you experienced too, as you were in the in the distribution game. Is that he really outlined to, to me on the show here uh, about uh, you know Robin Peter to pay Paul right when you get into the growth game, yeah. and that you know everyone Absolutely. thinks right, like everyone thinks, oh, you're selling more beer, you must be doing great. But he was like, man, when you look at the time it takes to get the ingredients, then brew the beer, then get it on its shelf, then recoup the costs after everyone has their net thirty invoice. Uh, there, there is no money for months uh, when you start producing a beer. And that didn't even count the cost of equipment, by the way, in the growth. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard. Like, I, I just paid uh, maybe 5000 bucks to can. Uh, with those beers were canned, I think, last, last a week ago or something like that. Okay. And I won't see the accounts receivable on all those for months. Right. So right. that if cash is king, <laughs> that's a crappy yeah. flow. But, so, but so if you have any crimes like Tony admitting to tax evasion, <laughs> now is the time to just air him out. Not intentionally. Did he, did he just do that? Oh, he talked about avoiding the IRS and ignoring letters and oh, not paying. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Okay. No, yeah. No, that's one thing. You know, one of my partners is a lawyer and the other one is a judge. So <laughs> we, uh, we tell the ABC and the TTB and the we're like, comply, comply, comply. That's our mantra. That's right. all we want to do. Right. So now, though, with your with your tasting room model uh, available to you, that long period of time where you see cash back from from your investment is is much shorter, right? Yeah, that part works. I mean, um, I wish I wish we had more traffic in our tasting room, but yeah, with yeah. so many and such a low population, I'm only going to see what I'm going to see. And this is crazy, but we still sell. All the all three of those beers and other pints for four bucks. Wow! Because we're terrified, and I've you know I've squeezed in. I've got a Goza, I've got a New England IPA that I'll get a premium price point for a smaller pour, but people flip out, right? Because you know these these are our neighbors. It's our community. We know every. I know everybody. <laughs> that's oh that's, right. I didn't even think about. I thought you meant they flip out just in general, but they literally could flip out to you as you're as you're taking out the mail. 
Well, if I raise the if I raise the price of a price of a pint from four bucks to five bucks, right? I, I might actually lose business. Yeah, you well, know, I'll tell you something. This is something those of us on the West Coast here take for granted because. Prices are just high. And in California, in the Bay Area, we're so used to it that you just kind of, it just is what it is. And when I go to places where a pint is five or I'll tell you what, six bucks, I notice it. I'm like, oh, man, (laughs) someone's getting tipped tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our, our tasting room staff does really, really well. (laughs) <laughs> good, good. Yeah, well, and that's, you know what? That's part of the economy, too. The, the, yeah, those, I mean, that's, that's why we're in business. Yeah, those folks that work for you. And, we, you know, we even noticed it when we opened the Hop Grenade in Colorado. And uh, I wouldn't say that there's a massive difference in pricing, but enough that we had to really adjust and take a look at that. Um, because we still like to buy all the beers, that, that the different beers that the beer nerds want. Right, and, and unfortunately, our price point for that doesn't change much from California to Colorado, but the, but what we can sell it for certainly does. Yeah. Um, anyhow, it's a good point that you make. You got to look out for that stuff too. Man, four dollar pints though, JP. I hope you're making a pros and cons list about Abingdon, or just a pros list, right? Yeah, <laughs> that four, I don't. I can't remember the last time I paid four right. bucks for a pint. You don't even see happy hour prices at four dollars a pint. No, yeah, not at all. Sometimes I think we're the only. Brewery that sells beer for dollars a pint. Right. Well, then you're dumb. Yeah, pretty <laughs> well, much we, an we exception. Are that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I will uh, take this opportunity to self-promote. Uh, one of the ways we also helped our Colorado market is you can go for two dollar Tuesdays, and oh, several shit. of our several of our taps, I think like. 2, 12, and 22 is what we do, um, are uh, are $2 on uh, every Tuesday at the Hop Grenade in Fort Collins. You know what's great about that? It's that it rhymes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You can remember it. We're marketing geniuses. One day it's a $2. Uh, Don't get sued by the $1 fans, though, for not allowing them to pay for $1. That's true. Hey, but when's the last time you saw something that wasn't a PAPS for 2 bucks, man? No doubt. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. So, go Hop Grenade Fort Collins if you find yourself out there on a Tuesday. Miller High Life <laughs> on taps 2, 12, and 22. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, Chris, i got to get us to a break. Can you hang out? Yes, sir. All right. Very cool. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, before we do, we got a new company to tell you about, a partner of ours that is just awesome, and they're called Brewswag. Uh, you can go to brewswag.com, and they're owned and operated by passionate homebrewers and craft beer fanatics. They offer like-minded and quality shirts, bottle openers, drinkware, and tons more now in production. And they do it for the love of great beer. Go to brewswag.com and Enter coupon code BNARMY to get 10% off. Uh, everything there is designed by homebrewers and craft beer fans, and uh, they've got, like I said, new products in development. You can also sign up for their newsletter for exclusive deals and product announcements. And I went browsing the site. They got a lot of really cool shirts in there. There's one, uh, uh, a good shirt that just says, uh, use more hops, and it's just a dude with a homebrew kettle dumping hops all <laughs> over the place. Uh, yeah, they, get it. Go check it out at brewswag.com. You won't be disappointed. You Use your coupon code BNARMY for your 10% off. And then, uh, hey, be sure to thank them for uh, coming over here on the Brewing Network and keeping this show alive. Absolutely. All right, we'll do this. We'll take a very quick break. And when we come back, more with Chris uh, from, of course, Wolf Hills Brewing Company. Go to wolfhillsbrewing.com and check it out. And we'll be right back with more on the session. 
You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the thebrewingnetwork.com. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Hey, this is Gabriel from Half Acre in Chicago. You're listening to The Session on the Brewing Network. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And thank you to iDip for supporting this program. Their Smart Brew Water Testing Kit incorporates a revolutionary photometer system, which is the first and only one on the market with its own app. For home or commercial use, it takes great water to make great beer. It's the only meter on the market that runs water tests with no math needed on your part. You can email the results to the rest of your fellow brewers or post your Facebook page and let your homebrew club get in the get in on the action with you uh, it'll test over 40 different water quality aspects and four come preloaded plus more available things like total alkalinity chloride calcium hardness ph sulfate and a lot more just four mil of water needed for each test brewing network special podcast listeners use coupon code tbn10 at checkout and save 10 bucks on either the standard or advanced smart brewing uh, brew testing kit go to smart brew kit.com and check it out all right we still got chris on the line with us hey chris hey we got more beer in our glass from you uh which is exciting for oh good what are you drinking well i i had all of these beers so i just pounded three beers no (laughs) (laughs) right you had to get through hell yeah you know i hadn't tasted the the new the the honey cream ale and the trooper that we just canned um Except, you know, before we canned it. Right. So sure. What did you think of the trooper? Did you agree with us? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's like I said, that's a that's a beer that was great ten years ago, and I'm still. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah, it's not what I want to drink, but people like it, and that's that's what it is. I will say this: if it was that dry ten years ago, you were already ahead of the curve. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> hey, fair enough. <laughs> right. It's not intentionally, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we do have a couple more, but before we get to that, I wanted to go back to this kind of, um, you know, small and hyper local like, like you've done uh, versus even regional and then, and then macro beers. You know, you, you talked about how recently even the, the regionals kind of have, have taken shelf space uh, in your, in your local area. And I just wonder if you can talk about how you think that's all going to play out or or even how you think it's playing out now for for everybody yeah my big thing is um this use of the word small um and this is timely because the brewers association has just sort of redefined their uh you know what a small craft brewery is oh what is it now do you do you remember what they said it is now Uh, i think it's six million six okay um um, and the big thing is can you does it does it have to be beer can it be these other um beverages um sparkling Oh, right. Sparkling hot water, for example. <laughs> um, um, it's a strange thing. But what, what blows me away is, you know, so we make less than a thousand barrels a year and uh, 95, 96, 97. I mean, at 7000 breweries, 97 percent of them are like us. Yeah. And these these top three percent are making 95 percent of the beer in the craft brewing segment. So it, it blows my mind that. You know, two years pre-Heineken, Lagunitas was small. Right. Or Adams at six million barrels is small. Um, yeah. The, 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 there's orders of magnitude. So, so what? So the the big the big take home is those breweries are really closer to Anheuser Busch and Bev than they are to us in their segment. They are. Yeah. Like, do, yeah, it, it, do, you, do you think it's somewhat ironic that this, the stat you just gave that that 3% of craft brewers own 95% of the market. Whereas that statistic never used to get thrown out at all. It was always that 1% of all the beer sold is yeah, by craft. Yeah, we're brewers, all in this together. You know, <laughs> uh, um, I, I don't know, but I think hyper local is what's happening. Um, the, because, you know, I, some of those breweries are trying to grow and they can't do it. Some of them are closing. We just found out uh, t- just today a, a brewery in Roanoke, uh, maybe a couple hours from here, closed. Um, mm. But, you know, it's a classic case, the Green Flash sort of example. They just they started too big and all of these things happened to them. The, well, the shoots open there and uh, Ballast Point is just down the road. So, yeah. But, it's happening, and I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not bitching about about the the regional breweries pushing us off the shelf. But it is a thing. Yeah, it's a thing, which is inevitable, I guess, in any, yeah. in any industry where this where this starts to happen, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think I'm. We're lucky that there are enough people in small communities that still want what we have, just like they want what these other people have. That the trick is is again the short order cook thing. You know, you got to make you got to you got to figure out what you are and and what you can sell and what you're going to do yeah. and but what people want you to be and be that um Right. So the money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and to me, you know, that message that we were kind of referring to where craft brewers, at least in my whole career until recently, were always, it's us against them, it's us against them, make sure you buy local. And then, 
You know, as some of even my friends' breweries have been sold to to larger uh, companies, to the macro brands, I've always said, like, well, that's also a case of the American dream. You know, a person who who uh, uh, started small and, and, and hit the big time and, and sold for, you know, half a billion dollars or whatever it is. Sure. Um, but I, but the one thing I, I have always held on to that, that bothers me is if any one of those very same breweries – used that us against them messaging on their way up Um, and and that bothered me if you're gonna if you're gonna convince me and convince your fans and convince your consumers that part of why we should purchase your product is that us against them and then you pull that rug out from under me that was that to me was the part that was deceitful but i think my point here is that that messaging still lives on today because the, the breweries that are popping up all the time, like you're mentioning, are these hyper-local small-town breweries. Yeah, and we, we don't have a whole lot to say, <laughs> or, or there's no voice for us, right? But it was it's already kind of- there, and, and so now consumers are like, hey, here's our local guy, and I, like I've already bought into it for 10 years, so I'm going to go to you. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you <laughs> Thank know. God for you. Yeah. You know? well, yeah. And now the, the breweries that are, are kind of pushing you off the shelf are also funding the BA, that, that's kind of your advocate. Oh, yeah. Also, so there's kind of this really tricky situation yeah. that the small craft is in. I guess we need yeah, another. I, we I need another organization. Think, yeah. Sometimes I think there needs to be a, another organization that represents the truly small. Mm-hmm. And and this whole craft thing. I mean, I liked it when it was micro because or, or nano, the whole micro nano thing, because that nomenclature suggests an accurate grouping of. Mm-hmm what we are based on what we do right i think that organization should be called the brewing network and uh <laughs> but it has, been, it has been my entire career <laughs> but i will also admit freely that we are the first ones that will totally sell out if it if, if it oh, comes yeah. advantageous <laughs> right. so you got, you got 20 bucks you got <laughs> yeah so so we'll be your organization for like the next six months and then you should get rid of us <laughs> um well it's funny i want to say one thing that i just think is hilarious you know, the selling out thing is, is great. It, may, it makes me angry in a lot of ways. But really, yeah, these, these places were built to sell. It's like when Devil's Backbone here sold. We all knew that place was built to sell. But they, beyond their ownership, they were in, incredible, um, what they were doing and what they, what they did. So can I, can I knock them for that? Am I angry at them? I don't, I, I, you know, no. It's, it, yes and no. Yeah. But what got me was when Wicked Weed sold out. And uh, I'm a musician, so I, I use a lot of musical analogies. And when Wicked Weed sold out, it was like the Grateful Dead sold out. Okay. You know, yeah. if, mm. if, if your neighborhood band gets big and gets a record contract or whatever and you stop liking them, that's one thing and you get over it and maybe you still buy the records. But if the Grateful Dead had done that, a yeah. significant amount of the population would have lost their minds. Right. That's what – was it was like when Wicked Weed sold out, and not just from the LSD. And, and is that is, is that because their their messaging was about how how cool and not industrial they are? Well, what's what you just said? Yeah, they yeah. They, they played that card really hard. Yeah, uh, and I think attracted that group of people that bought into that type of thing. Right. See, yeah, and that's kind of my point. Like, you know, you you use the example uh, Devil's Backbone. For me out here on the West, it's it's Golden Road. 
And if if you if you had half a brain and did any research into the people who started Golden Road, you know, we're talking about Yale graduates here uh, who are right. always business minded, and it was very uh, it was it, it was a very easy uh, prediction to make that they were building a brewery to be sold. Right, and that one. Doesn't bother me. I don't yeah. give a shit. But you're right. If I've been told my whole time as a as a fan that it's it's us against them and we do it for this and you should too, and then that rug gets pulled out, I guess I don't hate them. Things change. People, you know, things in life change. I've also a big check is waved in front of your face. I, I, I'm, I'm not angry. It, it's just that's the one thing that I can't justify. Where I go, well, that was kind of a dick move. Is all. That's what yeah, makes yeah. me over anything. <clears throat> stay away from brands. Like that, it's you know, and 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 every every regional brewery, not regional, but uh, what mid-sized brewery that is a decent distribution. Yeah, I think has to rely on that craft beer definition. If you call yourself craft beer, it's not just the size or what ingredients is in it, but it's also the movement right. that, frankly, people like us have helped build. Right, we are a definite a big part of that. Home brewers is what I'm talking about, and so if you if you claim to be craft beer. Then you're automatically part of that, whether you want to be or not. Yeah. And then when you sell, I mean, there's a tweet going around that Tony McGee, you know, said in 2013, selling one's brewery is selling all of the one's best friends' careers, their hearts, the portion of their lives they've spent working for you. And it's huh. like, that's the kind of hard line shit you can't fucking take. Right. <laughs> you yeah. can't go, oh, it's, it's just, you're selling everyone's yeah. hearts. He drew Although, a few too many lines in the sand. It, well, <laughs> in, in, in Tony's defense, and this is, uh, this is hardly a defense, yeah. uh, I mean, he didn't say he would not do it. He just was pointing out what he was doing. Right. That's true. <laughs> ah, That's okay. true. That's true. Uh, and, and, and frankly, the, the more outspoken one, like the, the one left that would, that would really make people blow, you know, flip yeah. their lids and, and then probably even make me disparage them finally, because yeah. uh, I try not to do that to breweries in general, it'd be stone, oh, right? Sure. I mean, th- their entire oh, yeah. branding is built on this. Yeah. <laughs> but they're also branding was built on don't drink fizzy yellow beer and they have a bunch mm-hmm. of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> all that shit happens. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see. All right, let's talk about your beer yes. one. Uh, let's here. go. Now, before we talk about this, we, so I have two different uh, yeah. batches yeah. of your honey cream ale. Thank you, Beth. And and we're gonna try eighty seven first, but I wonder if you want to tell us now why we're trying that over batch sixty two. Well, okay, so yeah, batch six. Well, no, I say we try the first one and then we okay, can, we can, yeah, just I'll be surprised. Okay, <laughs> so the style obviously is a, is a honey cream ale. It's uh, called White Blaze, right? Yeah, um, so that's the the Appalachian Trail uh, runs over here, kind of like the Pacific. What is it? Pacific Northwest Trail hiking trail. And the, the white blazes indicate the, the trail marker. And so our, our first brewer after me, uh, our distributors were telling us our beers were too aggressive and too big. And if we really wanted to sell beer, we needed to make something that was a little more approachable. And, and, and honestly, I didn't really know what that was because I didn't have a lot of experience with that kind of beer. But our brewer said, hey, I made this honey cream ale as a home brewer. Maybe we can try it here. Long story short, it's probably 40% of what we sell. I believe it. Hmm. Uh, and, yeah, and uh, it's interesting to me because I don't think it's lager-like. I mean, it's it's orange and it's not yellow, and um, it, it has not really changed. Except we used to add the honey post fermentation, which was really risky, right? <laughs> and we now add it in the boil. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it's 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 our biggest seller. It's what people want. Um, I could see that. So you do actually use honey, not honey malt or something like that. We'll use both. We use a little okay. bit of honey malt. We sort of dialed back the honey just, again, cost-wise, uh, although honey malt's not really cheap either. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure how accurate it, it reflects the description on the side of the can. Let's see, white wheat malts, northern brew. Yeah, that's, all, that's still all the same. What what percent <laughs> of, of honey malt you think is in there? I think it's a half... Um, so 25 pounds in a seven barrel batch, so probably 400 pounds, whatever okay. that percentage is. All right. So just a touch of that to back up the actual honey. And it's got insulated corn in it. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. See, that's what I was going to say. I was not, not really tasting the corn. I thought I was tasting just kind of the honey. That You, you know, you said that you're surprised because it's not really lager-like. But I think that corn sweetness that you usually find maybe in a, you know, light American lager or something is replaced by a honey sweetness. And even, uh, you know, a, a palate who's just used to some sweetness w- w- is okay with that replication, you know. I get yeah, the corn. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, this is funny. This is the one honey cream ale besides the, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sample all of our beers at various times during at 10 o'clock in the morning. But this is probably the only full can of honey cream ale I'll drink this year. Right. Maybe you should go get a day job again if you're drinking all that much. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of honey are you guys using? Is it? Uh, we, well, it used to be locally sourced, but then mm-hmm. that got so unpredictable and variable and, and, mm-hmm. and both price and availability that we, we order it just sort of on, on the web in the bucket. Okay. Got and it. it's it's good. I mean, we went through several different iterations of what's going to work and, um, you know, taking a finger scoop out of the bucket. Is it a particular um, kind or just wildflower? Blend? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bastardized. They don't, I don't, I'm not sure what it is. Okay. But yeah, it's not anything. It'd be organic. It's another nice beer, and again, I just want to point out you're, do, you're doing fine with your fermentation, all dry yeast. I think you got the, you know, you guys got it dialed in. Thank you. I and mean, that's kind of why we use the dry yeast. I mean, our brewing schedule is fairly predictable and, and we, you know, we buy liquid pitches and reuse it and repitch it. But I can't, you know, if something I'm going to send 20 or 30 barrels out in kegs, cans, whatever, mm-hmm. I have to be pretty sure <laughs> I have more confidence in our abilities uh, using dry yeast with the distribution beers. Got it. Mm. That makes sense. And what yeast did you use to make this cream ale? And, and what this is 04. Um, 04? From this, the, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's SO4. The English, what, English three. And what temperature? Uh, 68. 68 huh? Both of the both the troopers and um, this beer are the same same yeast, same fermentation mm-hmm. regime. Gotcha. Do you guys, do you guys uh, do a starter or rehydrate, or you just sprinkle it on the top? We put it in the brink and and push beer out of the fermenter into the brink and hydrate it and push it back in. Okay. Got it. Truly dry. Yeah. Is it, so. Actually, Fermentus said you don't need to rehydrate anymore. I mean, they were basically like, open the brick up, throw it in the fermenter, yeah. seal it back up. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. So you'll just but throw I, the brick into a, a brink and then let it, do you let it sit with the, the wort for an hour or two or how long? Not that long, 15, 20 minutes. Oh, okay. And then just push yeah, it back take it in. around. And then we push beer in and out three or four times. Okay. Make sure we get it all. Push it with CO2. Yeah, I mean, that's a... I, yeah, it's a it's a consistent. Um, that's what I like about dry yeast. I know I know instead of like uh, unlike and, and I've done I teach microbiology at the local community college, so I've got access to a lab even though we don't have one on site. And I'm confident doing yeast counts and repitching 
Um, not really confident with oxygenation rates. I don't have a flow meter, but uh, I like the reliability of dry yeast again for distribution beers. I sweat about them less. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> oh, man. Back in the early days when I was using plastic fermenters and just going by the seat of my pants, I worried about every single keg that left the building. Right. I bet. I don't you, feel you, like that. Anymore. You were using plastic fermenters when you started pro. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's all I could do. We started this brewery for fifteen grand. Wow. Okay. That includes a $3,000 license. Wow. <laughs> and, we ran, and we ran for basically a year and a half like that. Truly, it was, man. It was terrible. I mean, it was yeah, it was stupid. <laughs> well, you know what? In the end, it worked. So it was. Well, let's call I it. Guess. Let's call it half stupid. I'll call it a win. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now we also have uh, w- another white blaze, and this one is batch sixty-two, and I haven't tried it yet. Um, do you we want had me to... eighty-seven? That was the, that was the, the first, first one. one. Now, okay. do you, yeah. Do you want me to try it before the you talk to me about it? Well, I'll tell you this. So. Prior to making this beer, yeah. we made our fourth iteration of a kettle sour ghost. Okay, with lactobacillus, yeah. and okay. and ran it through all the same equipment. Same I think hoses. is what you're getting at here. Yeah, same. Uh, but Tasty, you just nailed it. H- hose, mm. we, we just have... just one hose. <laughs> hose. Yeah, we actually have a hose that got bent. And over the over the last couple of years, every time we look at the hose, we're just like. Ugh. Got it. That it's got a big kink in it. So the only thing I can well, Something. the only thing I can figure is lacto got trapped and and that hose is probably cracked or something on the inside of it where it's not completely smooth. It's the only thing, and I've plated it with different kinds of media and, and swiped everything I can swipe and um, um, analyzed everything I can do on my own, and that's. I just bought a thousand dollar hose. Well, I'll tell you what. The only thing I think that's wrong with this beer is that the can it doesn't indicate what it is anymore for you. <laughs> so you're you're kind of fucked, maybe. But I, you're a liar. But I like this beer. Well, thank you. And everybody has said that people are affectionately referring to it as sour cream, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is disgusting, right? But no, that would have been a great marketing name, actually. Well, well if... we pulled it all, and the unfortunate thing is, it's in this can, like you just said. It's right. not yeah. beer. It, um, so we pulled. We actually had to do a recall. I mean, um, some of it made it to market, and it's funny. You looked at Untapped, and a lot of people are like, "This is great! It's sour." We see people, <laughs> right. we see people at accounts ordering the beer and like smiling after they get it, while we're grimacing because we know what they're getting ready to get. Right? Uh, we couldn't get the distributor to pull everything, so there are some of these actually still on tap because some of the kegs got out. Wow! Um, yeah, it's been a real learning experience, and and the the. The icing on the cake. My brewer's um, my brewer's sixty six years old. He's won a he's been brewing since eighty nine. Um, he's won one bronze GABF medal back in the day. But he really so he really wants some. So I've been entering this beer um, in a lot of competitions. I sent these cans to GABF, <laughs> and I uh, I just got the score sheets back. Uh, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Everybody's like. Great, great sour beer. Yeah. Not <laughs> yeah, you're like, if only I could have changed the, the, the category at the last minute. Yeah, but, it, by the, you know, we didn't. We discovered it kind of all yeah. while all of this was happening at the same time. Yeah, that's a bummer, dude. Well, and I think the reason. Well, it isn't. It isn't. I've learned a lot, you know. I mean, did you, though, or you just learned the one thing, which is to use different equipment for sour beer? 
<laughs> it's, a, it's a big well, one thing. Well, not a bent hose, I, I guess. That's about it. Lacto, it's, I don't know that it's a different equipment issue. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe that's the – but I, I think I had a hose that had problems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the soft goods are – it's a good safety measure to keep them separate. Yeah, well, well let's hope that that was the problem so did this lactobacillus character grow in the fermenter or was this all post-ferment uh, you know what's yeah what's crazy so we we packaged this up to packaging this was fine we've mm. actually got well we had beer in our serving vessel that we were still selling that was fine what happened was distribution was delayed by a few days in like august so mm. it set for two or three days and got up to 80 90 degrees and sped the whole process up got it the beer that went out to distribution and was exposed because some of it's not some of the same batch made it into distribution, never got warm um, and sped that process up, uh, which is interesting because so now what you can instead of kettle souring, can you do a hot lacto post fermentation treatment in a fermenter at 82 days and have the same result? Mm, good use point. The, use the right hose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll sell that hose for. <laughs> yeah. Hang on to that thing. Yeah. yeah. You can either call it sour cream or kink toes, whichever one kink looks toes, better uh, on a can. Kink toes, yeah. Kinky. And well, yeah, yeah I, I do think it. Uh, it's not a bad beer. It's, it's a clean lacto. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's something. I mean, we were able to sort of at least pinpoint this in a direction. Right. You know, it's somewhere between the fermenter and the brew house. So I, it could have been a lot worse. We we actually have had that infection problem in the past that we you know, nearly destroyed the whole brewery. Wow. Uh, yeah. This is way better than that. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you kind of hit it on the head when you said it's a, it's a clean lacto. That's why the, that's why the people still getting the beer were, were still smiling and saying, this is a good beer. Um, hell, if yeah. you added a dash of Brett to it, it'd be even better. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that some of the, one of the GABF judges said this beer has bread in it. And I thought this happened in two days. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, Yeah. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't think so, from what yeah. I understand. Well, you can plate it and find out. I mean, I see that you use uh, shrink wrapped cans. Have you thought about just cutting off the labels and and reshrinking a, some new uh, branding on it? Well, it's like one of my partner says. He's like, it is honey cream ale. I mean, label wise, right? Legality wise, it's mm-hmm. we don't have that yeah. issue. We've yeah. thought about um, pouring it into glasses in the tasting room. Yeah, just serve the taste. Um, room. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so far, I've just been giving it away to my friends. We've got probably 250 cases of it. <laughs> I, I'd go even <laughs> but more. But I like the removing the shrink wrap. That's a good idea. Or I'd go even more guerrilla marketing and go get some Avery labels and um, <laughs> just stick those on there that says also sour. <laughs> like the censored that Longadius did with the chronic. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? People will think it's so weird that you definitely did it intentionally, like that you put some stupid uh, Times New Roman Avery labels uh, stuck on there. You might sell the crap out of it. But uh, yeah, it's still a good beer. This has all been very recent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be a good uh, taproom only sale, like. You know, six packs at a time. Right. You know, like a, like an event. Make a you know make an event out of it and and broadcast the fact that hey, this is a sour beer. You can buy six packs of it. You can't buy it in stores anywhere. This is it. And see, I don't know. See what happens. You can even call it. Yeah, Chris fucked up party. Yeah. <laughs> Chris got his hose <laughs> again like a yeah. jackass. And just, you can call you it Loganita sucks. Oh wait, that's taken. what's that, Chris? <laughs> I'd say you can appreciate this because anything that happens that's bad in this whole business is Chris fucked up. 
Yes. Even though I, I, whether or not I had anything to do with it. That's right. It's your fault. <laughs> Jamil taught me that. Yeah. It's your damn fault. And I'm glad you own it, too. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm glad you uh, enjoyed the flavor. It's good. <laughs> uh, well, now, be honest. That's what happened. And I didn't try it first. And Bevo said, hey, Chris wants us to try that last because there was an issue with it. And so I was expecting it to be one of those learning experiences where I had to taste a shitty beer. And you'd tell me what went wrong. So I was pleasantly surprised that it, I got to taste a good beer. And you tell me what went wrong. <laughs> not, so, not intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, it's good stuff. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you for being on the program with us and talking to us and being so honest, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. It's, it's, I hate to say it's a dream come true, but it's really a dream come true to be on the show. I appreciate it. Well, that's very nice to hear. Nice and, uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you have a terrible I, dream. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now he has to come up with a new one. Shoot higher. Uh, I look to listen to the rest of the show with Gary. Appreciate all right. It. Hey, thanks very much, folks. You can go to wolfhillsbrewing.com and check it out. Chris, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right. There you go. Uh, that's Chris Bircher, uh, the founder of Wolf Hills Brewing Company. What a cool story. Uh, and, and like I said, I like it when guys come in here and, and actually tell us what happened. Right. Me too. They're slugging it out for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's All right. crazy. Well, we are going to take a, a little break, and, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Gary Glass. Uh, while you're hanging out, if you're sitting in front of a computer, you can go to greatfermentations.com. They've got the largest catalog of Blickman products on the web, and their staff is some of the best trained in the business using those products. They've got top-notch customer service and same-day shipping on a lot of their items. Check them out at greatfermentations.com, and be sure to like them on Facebook at GR8 Fermentation, and find them on Instagram and Twitter as well under the same thing, GR8 Fermentation. Uh, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll take a, a real quick break when we come back gary glass the director of the american home brewers association will be on the program with us we're going to talk about the 40th anniversary of the aha and home brewing as well as what's happening in the homebrew legislation world hang in there it's the session we'll be right back Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewers edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection 
Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Hey, what's up? This is Blake from Creature Comforts. You're listening to The Session on The Brewing Network. Yes, welcome back to the program, and thanks so much for hanging out with us. Go check out whitelabs.com. Pure liquid yeast means better beers. White Labs boasts the highest concentration of yeast in the industry thanks to their patented FlexCell technology and pure pitch packaging. The yeast contained and delivered using these innovations are propagated in all-grain wort, providing the perfect nutrients for growth and optimal performance. With White Labs Pure Liquid Yeast, your finished beers will meet the high-quality flavor profiles that you intend to produce. Discover the White Labs difference over at whitelabs.com slash yeastbank to find the perfect strain for your next beer. That's whitelabs.com slash yeastbank. All right, and thanks again to Wolf Hills Brewing Company for being on the program. That was a good conversation. And right now, one of our favorites in the industry, Mr. Gary Glass is on the line with us. Hey, Gary. Hey. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing well. It's good to have you back on the show. Uh, still the director of the Homebrewers Association? Uh, as of 5 o'clock when I left, I was still <laughs> on the job. So nice. Yeah, I, am, I believe so. Oh, you haven't heard? Glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, Check your Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, you can go to homebrewersassociation.org and uh, check things out. You can also sign up for a membership, as you should do if you're a homebrewer, uh, through the Brewing Network. Just click the AHA link. And uh, what are we doing right now? We're actually giving away a couple free books. Uh, use BN2018, and you get two free books, Wild Brews and Farmhouse Ales. Just make sure you click the AHA link on the left side of the brewingnetwork.com homepage. And, uh, yeah, you get a couple free things out of that. So, Gary, you not you, I assume this has passed for you already, but the Homebrewers Association is turning 40. Uh. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. First things first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, yes, we are turning uh, forty on December seventh. So uh, yeah, fortieth anniversary of the the American Homebrewers Association. That is the day that Charlie Papazian and uh, Charlie Matson, uh, his partner and founding the American Homebrewers Association, uh, published the first uh, issue of Zymergy Magazine. Got it. How many? What did that magazine look like? Do you know, like page wise, uh, and you know? It, it was, yeah, it was basically a newsletter. You know, had a had some staples in it. Right. And, uh, <laughs> it, was 12, it was twelve pages. 
12 pages though that's wow. ambitious yeah. Uh, yeah. and do you know do you know anything about like how or where they distributed that was it maybe <laughs> just to the local club or um, no, actually, uh, I've, I've done a few interviews with Charlie to kind of get the, the, the scoop on the, the early days of the AHA, and um, he actually spent a lot of time in the in the library, the public library in, in Boulder, Colorado, going through phone books for the entire nation and finding every single homebrew supply shop in the country when wow. they mailed them out wow. to <laughs> all of those shops. That's pretty smart, actually, like thinking back about it. Yeah. Using a library. Even, <laughs> just even, yeah, using, even the word too. library. Like, what, I don't understand. Uh, what what is a no bulletin board? Yeah. But even just thinking about yeah. how to get the word out is kind of like, well, mm-hmm. there must be some homebrew shops, and I bet I can find them all, and let's just send it to there. Yeah. I mean, what else? Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the, the amount of effort that went into that, and, and like you said, the, yeah, Charlie Papazian, he's a pretty smart guy. Right, uh, that he is. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why we're still around. We've been around for 40 years. Uh, I mean, he's uh, literally we continue like, to be around even after he he exits next year. Right. I mean, the guy is literally a rocket scientist, isn't he? Wasn't he like a nuclear engineer or something? He's so, a nuclear yeah. engineer. Right. <laughs> Were there already kind of an underground nuclear powered rockets yet? Okay. (laughs) Was there already an underground infrastructure ready for homebrewing for when the law became legal to where like these shops were ready to go and there was already this network? Or did the AJ start it? uh, To a certain extent, but uh, home winemaking was legal uh, after prohibition. Uh, and and so most of the the homebrew supply shops were were probably selling more wine making equipment, but there was actually a, an association for those shops called the the Home Wine and Beer Trade Association uh, that had been around for a while. It's it's not around anymore, but uh, um, it was actually a partnership with uh, the HWBTA and the and the AHA that founded the Beer Judge Certification Program. Hmm. Oh, that's crazy, huh? So they were ready. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, nothing was happening, right. but they were ready. But they were ready. Yeah. <laughs> now the, yeah, the, and, and, and the timing with the, with the legalization of homebrewing, which happened in October, uh, well, that was when the, the bill passed uh, in, in October of 1978. It was, it, it was totally coincidental that, uh, the, the, that the two Charlies founded the AHA just a couple of months later. Oh. Got it. Oh, oh, so that's what I was. I was going to ask next that, that legalization. Uh, I was wondering about the date. So that's October, but it was. It, why do you think it was coincident, coincidental? Right. Are you saying Charlie didn't have a heavy hand in that legalization? Charlie did not. Was not involved in that legalization process. Um, it was actually uh, um, uh, Senator Alan Cranston from California uh, who who got the the amendment uh, added on to. The, it was an omnibus transportation bill. So, you know, Jimmy Carter gets a lot of credit for this, but really Senator Alan Cranston is the guy who, who, <laughs> who got this done, uh, along with um, Representative William Steiger. He sponsored the, the House version of the, the homebrew bill. Um, and, and so those two really are the, are the people who should be given credit for the legalization of homebrew. Because I, 
Honestly, I don't even know if Jimmy Carter knew that the homebrew legalization was in this bill. It was a big, big bill, yeah. mostly dealing with trucks and, and buses. Uh, and that's kind of just the way that things work in Washington, D.C. Like, oh, we want this to get done. Let's shove it into this thing that the right. president will sign. Well, who, who but, was pushing Alan Cranston's yeah. button about being, uh, let's, let's, take, let's, let's get a law passed? Yeah, who was in his ear, exactly? Oddly enough, Ted Bundy, which is weird. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, he was from Southern California, and so I, I'm not sure which. Is he a I, I, I believe that there was there was some uh, maybe the the, the wine winemaker shop and uh, uh, where the Maltos Falcons meet. Maybe a retail. Um, they, uh, um, I I believe that might have been where that got started. Uh, but okay. he, he was definitely a, an advocate for it. I heard that before. Uh, and 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 I believe that California actually passed a passed a state bill uh, before the federal bill legalizing homebrewing. Well, that wouldn't surprise me so, at all. So We're Charlie's like that. so Charlie's plan was to make a national organization for an illegal activity. That's a then, and it just coincidentally yeah. two months before became legal. Yeah, we do that kind of thing in Colorado. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you do. All right. Yeah. All right. Also, I knew I loved Charlie for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he actually had a, had an ATF agent show up at one of the class. So before he started the, the AHA, he was given uh, humbering classes uh, to, to Boulder Free College. Um, and he actually had an ATF agent show up for one of his classes. Like, it was... Um, he was the only one dressed in a suit. Undercover. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Boulder, Colorado, beer, homebrew class, dude in a suit. Kind of, uh, kind of keyed him off that, that something wasn't right. But uh, but didn't the uh, guy then just leave like nothing to see yeah. here? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, that they were probably really looking to see if people were brewing to sell it at that time, like moonshining or something, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's really more of what the what, what the AT, ATF now TTB um, are, are much more interested. I mean, there's no money for for the government to make off of busting homebrewers, so, right? You know, <laughs> and and it's the Tax and Trade Bureau. They're interested in collecting taxes and and uh, handing out fines. So yeah. there's much much money in going after homebrewers, right? You know, I've grown to 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 like Charlie more and more over the years. Not that I didn't love him in the beginning, but he, you know, recently he I've just maybe maybe even just listened to him talk more recently, and I love hearing him talk about the history at that last year's homebrew con. Um, when you guys brought him out on a on a cloud, <laughs> on a cloud, yeah, uh, which was just something else. Uh, I'm sure there's video of that on uh, homebrewcon.org um, somewhere. But and then he stood up there and talked for for a good amount of time, and he's just fascinating to listen to about the history. He's got great stories. He, he's he's a nice storyteller. But so much has happened in the 40 years. Yeah, it's it's really unbelievable, and I'm, I just feel so privileged to have. Gotten to spend uh, the last 19 years of my uh, my career with the the AHA. We were working yeah. so when I when I first got hired. My the the office I was working in was just across the hall from him. And I, I I distinctly remember when I was uh, uh, when I was applying for for the job. It was like the administrator. So Paul Gatz was the director of the AHA back then, and 
you know, I hadn't even heard of the AHA. I'd, I'd seen Zymergy Magazine. I've been homebrewing for several years. And hmm. uh, I called up my buddy who I taught how to homebrew, went on to become a, a professional brewer. And I'm like, hey, I'm applying for this job with the American Home Brewers Association. He's like, oh, yeah, Charlie Papazian's foundation. I'm like, wow. what? <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Papazian? Yeah. Charlie Papazian? <laughs> Where did you hear about uh, the job? Was it just in a listing somewhere? I, I yeah, actually, actually, my girlfriend at the time found an ad in the newspaper. I was in grad school at the uh, University of Colorado, and she's like, "Hey, you're a homebrewer. You should you should apply for this American Homebrewers Association job." Wow. Yes, I should. Look at your life, Gary. You're <laughs> still in college. Stumble across this thing, and you spend 19 years uh, at the Homebrewers Association. Hang, That's I, I do not deny that I have some luck yeah. in my life. <laughs> yeah. And skill, too. Obviously, you made it to where yeah. you are because of that. Now, so what's happening for the 40th celebration? Anything in particular you guys are doing to celebrate 40 years? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, we we just uh, published the 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 November December issue of Zymergy magazine so that's kind of our that's our 40th anniversary of the issue we totally redesigned the magazine uh make it look look a little more modern and and uh you know changed up some of the some of the departments uh so that uh, you know just just better address the uh, uh, current homebrewer um it's looking good and then we yeah and we'll we'll, we'll definitely have a a, a series on on homebrewersassociation.org Kind of bringing up some of these milestones in in AHA history uh, coming up, and then, then we have something special planned for the actual day, December seventh. Okay, excellent. Well, I, I assume you'll keep us posted on that. Sure. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> if I have to. Nothing ahead of that. Yeah. Right. I'm a busy man, Justin. <laughs> Well, now by something special, do you mean just at at the office there, or, or like for everybody? No, for everybody. Okay, it's but you're a not live gonna... stream of song Charlie in half. Be real <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, they get more risque every year. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I look forward to it. Um, now, what about? Uh, are there any? legislative issues you're hard at work on for us right now too uh you know unfortunately there are always legislative issues that we're working on um so the kind of the most pressing one has been uh, in north carolina last year they passed a a homebrew bill uh which we thought was a great homebrew bill it was going to be you know everything we 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 really wanted um and then uh when then the alcohol beverage control decides they have to make rules to enforce this law. And it turns out that there are things that, that homebrewers do which happen to conflict with some of the other laws in the alcohol code that don't have anything to do with homebrewing, but do have to do with like storage of alcohol that's unlicensed or that's not to be sold. And so things like how long you can store beer uh, at a homebrew at a brewery for a competition or can can you have a your your beer dropped off in one spot and then have somebody else transport it to another spot so you know lots of competitions use drop-off locations okay and then have the beer so those kinds of things that you don't necessarily think about um, and particularly unless you are extremely well versed in the hundreds of pages of uh, of alcohol code which even like the legislators aren't 
that well tuned into it. Of course, um, yeah. it's it's easy for these things that uh, to to arise after a bill is passed. Um, but uh, you know, their alcohol beverage control has kind of been sticklers for uh, for some of these little nuances, but. Wait, can, uh, we, can actually, we go? Can we, we, just before, it, can we go back to the one I thought you said about like how long you can store beer? Are you telling yeah. me that there was like a law that that kept me from keeping my beer fresh? Like if I just stored it at my house for too long? No, no. Okay, it, it's not about. It's it's all about uh, on licensed premises. Okay, um, okay. So it's it's the fact that it, you know this is not. Uh, it goes back to that whole tax thing we were talking about. It's it's beer that's not going to be sold by that brewery uh so so they're very concerned about you know what's has the taxes been paid on this beer that's stored in this brewery that they're going to sell and do they have the proper license for that so those kinds of things that we as homebrewers don't really think about and like well now we're bringing in this unlicensed untaxed alcohol into on premises that is licensed and does have to pay taxes okay got to keep those things separate and it's it just gets really complicated but the but the beautiful thing in this story is like we the the alcohol beverage control is you know they're nice people but they were drawing a very hard line on on this rulemaking um but there's there's this process where they have to publish proposed rules and and people can comment on it so we had a comment period and we actually had they had a hearing and there was a whole bunch of homebrewers that that showed up for this hearing and a lot of homebrewers that, that submitted comments and you know, coming out of that that hearing, uh, the homers that were there were saying that they didn't think that alcohol beverage control was going to budge. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just recently amended some of the some of the proposals. So things like uh, um, having having those drop off sites for for competitions um, is looking like they're a lot better than what we thought we were going to see. So uh, it's a really test a testament to. What can happen when when uh, you mobilize people and, and making phone calls to, in this case, regulators, but frequently with legislators, hmm. um, and and sending emails and making suggestions? Those things can have a positive effect. Okay, so, you know that's that's one of the things that, that really inspires me about about being a part of the American Home Brewers Association and the important role that we play uh, within the you know the, the homebrewing community is you know we can we can help. Uh, mobilize our members as needed. Uh, we can provide the, the the information on how the how the legislative process works when when issues arise, and so um, it's it's gratifying to see that you know it actually worked. It's not it's not going to be exactly what we would like it to be, and perhaps uh, we'll, we'll work with the with the homers in North Carolina to come up with another uh, another bill, but. Um, at least it's looking like it's not going to be nearly as bad as what we thought we were going to see. That's good. Well, it's nice to see reason prevail too. When, when, like you said, the, you know, they're not there just to be to be mean or obtuse, uh, so they can see some reason here. And then, like you said, if people mobilize and help get that message out, it is. I bet it is gratifying to see that change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's a good experience for for these regulators as well because. Typically, what what you know your 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 average alcohol beverage control, they're not involved with people who are doing things right when they when they get <laughs> yeah. called, particularly when they're dealing with homebrewers. When they have to deal with homebrewers, it's because they're doing something illegal, yeah. whether they know it or not. Um, but 
so the the impression they have of homebrewers is frequently uh, frequently negative because typically the interaction with an alcohol beverage control and a homebrewer is a homebrewer who's selling their beer. Yeah. Okay. And and that that that, that makes us all look bad. And and so you know that we we have that experience with in Colorado where you know the 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 involvement that they that, that our alcohol beverage control had with, with homebrewers was negative and then met with me and met with uh, you know I, I kind of explained how homebrewers worked and and he got to interact with a few more and he what, what was that like, it, hey you know, what was that issue it was, that was coming it was okay um, it, it was uh, it was dealing with transport of of homebrew was the was the primary issue okay um, you know and, and that's that's a real typical one of you know whenever you're bringing bringing homebrew onto licensed premises that's when you're you're now bringing unlicensed untaxed alcohol into a place that's regulated to sell alcohol that has been taxed and is regulated so it gets really complicated yeah and it, it doesn't seem like it should be but it is it's just the way that alcohol codes are, are written and they're written so that the state can get their cut of of taxes and right okay and what we were talking about this at the beginning of the show, we were trying to figure out, JP and I seem to recall that there was even a recent, and this didn't have much to do with homebrew, just beer in the state of Colorado. Did you guys recently have to, to rate, was there a limit on ABV bottles that could be sold in Colorado? Uh, in, in grocery stores. Just, gro- uh, oh, that's what it was, just grocery stores. Yep, so so in, in Colorado we had, uh, we have, uh, um, most of the beer sold is, is sold through uh, through liquor stores. Yeah, and in the grocery store, you can buy three two beer. Right. I don't do that. I haven't I haven't done that since we passed the laws like that legalized Sunday sales because like every once before we had <laughs> we didn't have Sunday sales and we had no beers. Like all right, well I guess I'm buying three two beer. <laughs> guess I'm drinking twelve instead of six tonight. Uh, yeah, and that was a pain. Even when I'm out there, you know what's a pain in the ass? Is you got to make two stops. You, you, you go do your Sunday grocery shopping, but then you also got to go to the liquor store to buy if you want beer. Um, so what did they do? Yeah, but go ahead. But the cool, the cool thing about what, what the way things are set up in Colorado, and 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 this is actually transitioning, is that uh, you can only own one retail liquor license for off premises. So meaning like a, a bottle shop. Um, so all the all the the liquor stores are are like basically mom and pop operations, and, mm-hmm. and obviously some are better than others. And uh, but they they have recently transitioned, you know, tra- passed a law to transition that out so that uh, um, they are going to start allowing for multiple retail uh, licenses, and grocery stores will begin to start carrying full strength beer. Okay. Um, which from a consumer stand- standpoint sounds good, but from those, re- like you were talking to, to Chris about the hyper local thing. Yeah. Well, from the, for, from their perspective, if they're not dealing with it, they're too small to do, deal with a distributor, but they can, uh, get their beer into, uh, you know, their, their local liquor store. They can be, you know, packaging a very small amount and still be able to sell. But, 
Yeah, that's a good point. That becomes more difficult when when you're having to deal with like Kroger. <laughs> yeah, for the brewers too, and and for the mom and pops. And I always thought of that. Uh, that's a double edged sword too. It, I thought it was nice for you know if a if a mom and pop liquor store could open because because like Gary was saying, you could only hold one license. So even a mom and pop couldn't open three liquor stores. Yeah, right? sure. There's no chain. Not Moe's or Total Wines. Yeah. No, no, no. But I'm not. Forget right. that. I, I'm the, I'm just even talking about owning multiple locations yeah. as a small business That's owner. Individual. You couldn't even, so like I said, double-edged sword. Yes, you could open your one store and be protected by major competition from a BevMo, but you also couldn't expand your business into three stores across a very large town. Right. Yeah. And again, yeah. so it just kind of... Was that the case with uh, like bars and re- like where you're doing draft retail sales, yeah. or was it just beer to go? Yeah, yeah, it's just off premise. That's such it's a weird beer distinction. Yeah, like why? Why was the law that? It's odd. Yeah, and and actually the the um, the Colorado Brewers Guild was was fighting to keep it the way it was. Oh, because they you know because their their members can get their their beer into those those mom and pop stores, but right. you know, only the, only their bigger members are going to be able to negotiate with the grocery stores. Yeah, the, mm. um, the other thing I found interesting uh, was that the grocery stores, for example, if you were a chain, you could get a license like that, but only one. And you have to correct right. me if I'm wrong here, Gary, but like, like, a, like a Safeway, oh, for example, right. um, you know, there's oh. I, I don't know how many Safeways there are in Colorado. Yeah. One of them could sell all the things. They would have to choose what the one is. Is that about right, Gary? Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. So Whole Foods Whole Foods has one liquor location. Now they, they, the the liquor store cannot be in the grocery store. So oh. um, Whole Foods does have a liquor store next to a Whole Foods, but it's not in the Whole Foods. I see. I see. Uh, and then and I believe Trader Joe's also has a similar thing where they've got a, a, a liquor store but it's also the reason why we don't see the the total beverages they're not in colorado because they can't open multiple stores right it, it's mm-hmm. if for a state that's so heavily regulated like that it seems weird that everyone's so laid back <laughs> like i would be super anxious about doing my shopping and like all that kind of stuff i would just i, I don't know that i would do anything i guess i would homebrew but you know i like that you say that jake because i was just thinking about this the other day with the with the midterm elections like colorado's a weird state right it's, yeah. it's kind of a blue state it's kind of a red state it's kind of a completely wow. liberal state and kind of that's absolutely not <laughs> right yeah and it really depends on which direction you drive for 45 minutes i think yeah <laughs> I think I think you're right. Build a wall, but just three feet high. <laughs> right. I mean, right, Gary. It's a. I love it actually. But it, what an interesting state Colorado is. Yeah, yeah. Well, a third of the voters in in Colorado are independent, and so that that's interesting. That's that's where the dynamic is. Those are very independently thinking people. Right. And, um, you know, I think I think overall that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good, it's a cool state just for, if nothing else, just to watch. <laughs> but I, like, I mean, I like being there, but boy, do I love watching it when uh, legal issues come up. It's, it's very interesting. Well, hey, before we got to go, Gary, what about HomebrewCon in 2019? I know it's a little ways away, but uh, Providence, Rhode Island, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it'll be the, the first time. Uh, since 1991 that uh, we've had HomebrewCon in New England. So uh, we're, we're really excited to be bringing HomebrewCon to Providence. Yeah. Really great city. Um, you know, uh, it, it's got a good beer scene. It's got a really excellent culinary scene. 
Um, the Johnson Wales University is based there. Um, and so it's, you know, talking about independent businesses, they have uh, the, the downtown where the convention center is has just a ton of uh, independent restaurants. And then obviously you're going to get amazing seafood there. But um, I'm, I'm really excited to be there. And, yeah. and we're, we're an hour away from, from Boston. Right. It's this little, little town, you know, really nice city. Uh, but it's, it's, it's only an hour train ride away from, uh, from Boston. And so I, I, I think it's going to be amazing. Um, I'm super excited to be in, uh, in in New England and and to be able to bring the conference there. For the, I mean, it's been 28 years, way too long wow. to be uh, uh, to, to have gone from from uh, that that part of the country. Yeah, I'm super excited about it too. Uh, for what? So I'm from New England, and Providence is an awesome place to go. I used nice. to go there when I was a kid. It's super cool, and and to me, it's a double edged sword too. Because for the first time, like a bunch of my family can come to our anniversary oh, party. Oh, okay. then, you in action? Yeah, oh, and I'd then at, and then at the same time, <laughs> the, my family can come to the anniversary party. Yeah, Crosley reunion. Yeah. Uh, do you know who I am? I am Justin's third cousin. You will overserve me right now. Actually, you okay? You have no idea. Oh, so my man. dad has been. He's flown around to certain ones. Yeah. Dad's cool, yeah. but like the aunts and uncles and shit, they're weird people. <laughs> Is this like an Uncle Tony situation? I wish it was Ooh, Uncle Tony. Okay. Uncle Tony's not around anymore. Yeah. But like, mm. like at least a couple of my aunts and cousins are just a pain in the ass, and they will walk around like. This is my part. It's Justin's part. It's my nephew. That's my cousin. I can have what I want. Uh, it'll be a little <laughs> that, fucking weird. That East Coast attitude. Yeah. Can All we right. get some story time? Is it Aunt Deb? Having them tell yeah, stories. Love that's, her. That's... I love her. She's my favorite. <laughs> but okay, so that's my personal issue. Uh, but Providence <laughs> is a. That, that's your sole personal issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just one issue wow. on Ga- this topic. Yeah, Gary yeah. has known me a while, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> Providence is a kick-ass place, so I'm also excited about that. I think you guys made a good choice there. Um, We are already planning our uh, 14th anniversary party for the event, too, to go along with HomebrewCon like we always do. We've been, I think, blessed and lucky enough to be able to always coincide with with HomebrewCon. Um, so that our listeners don't have to choose, right? You get to go to both. You do both. Um, no choice. So go yeah. to... Uh, you actually have no choice. <laughs> yes, you have to <laughs> you do have both. You have to right? go. Yes. Yeah. Also, Gary, uh, since uh, you wouldn't tell me, I won't tell you. We've got a big, big, big surprise for our homebrew con, oh, too. And, and I'll release right. that as soon as I can. But uh, it's a big surprise, and I'm excited about it. So... Also cool. happening there in Providence. So, yeah. Well, I, I'm also really glad that you're doing uh, the, your event on uh, on Saturday because this year in, in Portland was the first time I've ever been to the the anniversary party. Oh yeah, oh. that's I right. I just can't afford to go before the conference starts because <laughs> then I'm going to be wrecked the whole conference weekend. <laughs> I just be yeah. I can't. I I haven't been able to do that to myself because I'm. I'm smart. And, you know, at least I tell myself that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. When we used to do it on Wednesday, the physical cost was far too expensive. It's true. Um, for us also, but we just had to do it. Um, yeah, I'm happy about that. Uh, of course, HomebrewCon made some changes. You guys don't do the, the large dinner banquet on Saturdays anymore uh, in, a, in favor of um, – 
getting everybody into the awards ceremony and then a little after party to celebrate after that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, when we were doing the banquet, we were, we were limited on space and the amount of people we could feed and, and the number of people who wanted to spend the extra extra money for it. And so um, we'd end up with only about a third of the attendees that were attending the banquet and mm. everybody else would attend the last seminar and then off they would go. Mm. It's you know, so so we're we like this system where we have a have we can get everybody together for a social event after the after the conference and send them off to 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 your party. I love it. I love it. I love being the final party. I think it's good all around. And and Gary, it was honestly it was nice for me too to get to hang out with you and have a beer at the end of the week to talk about everything yeah. and get to hang out. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Well, folks, uh, you can go to homebrewcon.org. Um, there'll be event updates there. Uh, it's in Providence, Rhode Island, June 27th through the 29th. And then our, our fort, the Brewing Network's anniversary party, uh, BNA 14, will happen on the night of the 29th. And we'll give you details about that as soon as we have it. The Homebrewers Association will give you more details about when you can buy tickets and everything else. But I think I did see today, Gary, that you're, you're doing a call for for presentations right now, right? Yes, yes. So uh, the call for proposals for the uh, the sessions during the uh, uh, during HomebrewCon is is open through I, I want to say December seventeenth is our deadline for that. Okay. Uh, so that's that's also that the information on that is all on uh, homebrewcon.org. Got it. Uh, Can we do one on a, a presentation on how to start a trade organization for homebrewers? <laughs> that would be appropriate. Yeah. that get rejected? What do you you can propose that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's the local committee that uh, accepts these things, JP. Like, oh, I'd really love to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've actually given that talk, uh, but it was in... I just gave that talk in Santiago, Chile, not too long ago. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that makes Sounds sense. Sounds cold. Um, yeah, so if you you know if you if you think you've got some some great knowledge to share, that's one of the biggest. Uh, actually, let me take that back. That's the biggest part of HomebrewCon is that you go, you know, there are these seminars where you get to go and learn about uh, all different aspects of homebrewing. In fact, I think even sometimes pro-brewing. But if you've got some, some knowledge to share, just go to homebrewcon.org and you could, you've got just over a month to su- submit a proposal for what you'd like to speak about. And um, they're usually pretty darn interesting. So do that. That's how you can give back. Yeah. Well, and if you're a member of the AHA, you can go on homebrewersassociation.org and check out some of the recordings from past homebrew cons. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. And then if you're not a member, uh, just go to thebrewingnetwork.com, click the uh, AHA link. It's on the left side of our homepage under support the BN. And if you use our coupon code BN2018, you're going to get two free books, Wild Brews and Farmhouse Sales. Uh, plus, of course, your membership gets you a, a, a subscription to Zymergy Magazine. Uh, all the other benefits of, of being a member, uh, not the least of which is the awesome Brew Guru app, which is going to tell you how to get pretty much actually more than than all the dollars you spent on your membership which is not that expensive you get in discounts all over the place uh, including right here at the hop grenade at your favorite homebrew shops like uh more beer um uh, you know the the membership pays for itself in a lot of ways so just click that link and use coupon code bn2018 um long time partnership with the ha gary i'm always happy to be yeah. with you guys 
Yeah, hey, well, that, that was a great promo for the for AHA membership. I appreciate that. And so, yeah, for for everybody who's who's doing that, you click on that link. You're supporting the American Homebrewers Association and the Brewing Network all at one time. Get get great benefits, and and you can feel good about it. That's true. You do, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we all allow you to feel good. About right, it. right. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Because yeah. let's be honest, if we do nothing for you, the AHA will. Uh, but, so it's a great way to support us, and then they'll do all the work for us. We're pretty much and, and, farming and if nobody all that joins out. the AHA, I won't have a job. Right. That's right. right. And then, uh, and that'll be your last interview, Gary. I'll interview you when you get canned or whatever, because it'll be interesting. And then I'll never talk to you again. <laughs> That's Belie- really sad. Right? Yeah, yeah. You just broke his heart. <laughs> and it, maybe it's also um, uh, you know, uh, some sort of push that Gary needs to find a new job. No. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's like, really? That's all I had to do? Yeah. Uh, sorry. Let just me let me rephrase Please it. click the link. I'll, I'll never talk to you again on the air. There we go. Still sad. Uh, well, what if I, can, I could go on and do great things in right. the brewing world, though. Yeah. No, you're, that's nope, not going to happen. That's, uh, I'm no. not going to lose my job. Right. I'm a career. <laughs> I know. Brewers Association employee. I know you are. Yeah. Plus, you, you'll be dead to me once you leave the AHA. I don't know why. I've just I've drawn that line in the sand. Well, once we release this video, it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's over. Uh, the great Gary Glass, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, go over to homebrewcon.org. Find out more about that. And like we said, sign up for the AHA through the Brewing Network. It's a great way to help both of us. And uh, I'm proud to be a part of this organization. Thanks, Gary. Hey, thank you, Justin. Great to be with you. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. There you go, everybody. Gary Glass, good guy, fun guy. Great kisser. Great Mm, kisser. Boy, can that boy kiss. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Whatever you want. Aggressive. Consensual, He's dry, wet. wet. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's dry and wet at the same time. Whoa! He's very accommodating. He's yeah. a professional. He really, really is. is. Uh, all right, what do I got to do right here? Let me see which one I was at. Ah, okay. Hey, this segment has been brought to you. Burn, burn. I was I was doing great for most of the show. This segment's been brought to you by craftbeer.com, whose mission it is to tell the stories behind America's small and independent breweries and the cities and businesses that support them. It's a community full of passion, authenticity, creativity, and camaraderie. Explore the world of American craft beer at craftbeer.com. What's next? I thought I had a break here, but I don't. (laughs) We've done two breaks. Yeah, no, no more break. Uh, I was going to do a little bit of beer news, though. You oh, want right. to do that before we do the Twitter game results? Yep. It's quick. Um, You're quick. Who's that brought to us? <laughs> beer news? Let's just make it brought to us by craftbeer.com. I can make it... Uh, uh, I thought you had another one. Ah, oh, fuck it. I'll do them after. All right. Uh, yeah, I brought this one up because I knew we'd be talking about small versus big craft beer, and there's uh, you know some of the problems that small brewers have, big brewers... Also have. Pabst is in trouble. Oh, that's right. You read about this? Yeah, a little bit. I just uh, saw the headline. Yeah, a battle is brewing between Pabst and Miller Coors. Uh, so apparently, Pabst signed a contract uh, to, to contract brew, as a matter of fact, between Miller Coors back in 1999. Uh, and that contract is set to expire in 2020. So Miller Coors oh. has been doing uh, 
I'm not going to say all, but uh, the vast majority of Pabst uh, uh, Brewing. And, in fact, I think up until a couple of years ago, um, now they might be doing all of it. Um, but Miller Coors is now saying it has less capacity for brewing mm. and is not obligated to redu- renew the deal. As I said, the deal is set to expire in 2020 um, with two options to renew. But uh, Miller Coors is saying that, that they're not obligated to renew that deal. However... Pabst says that they're doing this to hurt them and eliminate the competition. So they've actually sued them. And the trial is costing them nearly a half a billion dollars. Oh. Half a billion. Yeah. That's a lot of hipster uh, oh. money, dude. That's a lot of tall boys. Uh, maybe I, I should re- I don't know that it's costing them that. But uh, Pabst is seeking more than $400 million in damages. That's Absolutely. what it is. Uh, mm. Because they're asking Miller Coors to work in good faith to help find a solution. Even if the company no longer longer has enough capacity. The deal is, in 2016, Miller Coors closed 1.3, a 1.3 million square foot brewery in North Carolina. Uh, that one had a capacity of more than 8.8 million barrels per year. PAP says it needs just four to four and a half million barrels to stay in business. Uh, there's also uh, potentially uh, another brewery closing in California for Miller Coors and possibly more. Uh, but uh, PAP says that they're actually doing it to eliminate the competition <laughs> that brand, huh? as Miller Coors market share declines in some of their major uh-huh. brands, including Coors Light. What obligation is Miller Coors to keep Pabst alive. Like, what? how is there even a lawsuit over that? Yeah, so I agree. And in fact, I believe uh, Paul Gatza uh, with the Brewers Association was quoted in this article to say that, you know, once capacity issues get there, uh, that a brewery might not be obligated to do anything. So that really yeah. is going to come down to either A, what the contract says which I would be right. fairly mm-hmm. certain that Miller Coors is comfortable that the contract doesn't says it, say it. Or if a, if a court decides that there are uh, extenuating circumstances that would uh, obligate Miller Coors to renew the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and if one of those extenuating circumstances, for example, is that Miller Coors is lying about the amount of capacity that they have, then mm-hmm. they might be um, obligated by the court to renew the contract. But wouldn't that be have to be required in the contract? Because even if if there isn't a requirement for them to give a reason why they're not renewing, I believe that what it says in the contract, without seeing all the words, just according to what I read, is that the two renewals are based on a good faith attempt by Miller Coors to renew the contract. Okay, so that's written in. Yes. Oh, okay. As far as I understand, so if 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 not in good faith, they're saying we don't have capacity anymore, but Mil- but but Paps could prove that they actually do. Well, then they might be obligated to renew. Then that's a violation of their contract. Yeah, then, uh, I would. I would be surprised if a contract, you know, doesn't have some sort of clause for something exactly like this for mm-hmm. capacity. Right. Like we're contracting you to make, you know, five hundred billion barrels of our beer, and if you can't make that, then you've broken the contract. Yeah. I mean, that's so. Your capacity issues aren't my problem. Like, I'm paying you to make my beer. Why aren't you making my beer? Maybe, although you would think, I think you're right that this must be discussed in the contract, right? Something, and then we don't yeah. have the full contract. Well, it's worked for 20 years, so right. I assume that there were some capacity ups and downs during that period. Right. 
And we're not even talking about that long ago. So in 1999, these smart uh, people that are in the macro beer business, and let's yeah. face it, they are smart, oh, yeah. have anticipated these situations, both that sure. Pabst might need more capacity and that mm-hmm. Miller Coors might have less. Maybe they would have thought that in 99. Who knows? Uh, so I would. Uh, there, there's got to be some verbiage in there. But then again, if Miller Coors could prove that they are simply out of capacity. Which I don't believe. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think that's now, now that's yeah. Pap's position, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, or if they're shutting down breweries, then their capacity is decreasing. It is. But and, and then then is Coors obligated to then reinvest money and then expand production just off of this contract? Right. Or for their contract brewing for Pap's? But as with any contract brewer, you are limiting yourself to the business model of somebody else, right? Right. And so if this wasn't called for in the contract, and if Pap's can't prove any wrongdoing or a lack of good faith, Pap's could be uh, maybe not out of business, but reduced in business. Who knows what they hmm. could come to? Start brewing it in Russia? So, or just get yeah. another, get another, uh, another producer. Yeah, Budweiser. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> JP, yeah, I'm I surprised think. that you're not more upset about the potential to <laughs> losing your beloved Pabst. Uh, I've moved on from Pabst. I'm now entirely. Course, I'm now a course banquet guy. Really? Ooh, yeah. So you know, well, Pabst capacity right. might be replaced with course banquets. So. More banquet right for JP. Wow. Yeah. No, oh, that's disappointing. Wow, no more blue ribbons. <laughs> Thought at least I'd get a little tear out of the guy. Well, I mean, look, PBR has got me through uh, many days, many, many a long, day. many days. <laughs> many it sounded day. just like that. <laughs> yeah, I've been <laughs> through many, many days. Day. Maybe their yeah. biggest piece of evidence is didn't a PBR crush cores at GABF this last year? It always does. Well, every this year been, this has been going on for months. Like I, I mean, I remember reading uh, when they were f- going to like preliminary trials, like earlier mm-hmm. in the earlier in the, earlier in the year. So I think it. I, I would personally agree with Paps. I think it's definitely a, not a, a, a lack of space, but a lack of effort. Yeah, like they just don't want to do it. They're not going to renew, which that's fine. That's their option to not renew, but yeah. to just not really you know be doing any of the work. Right. Hmm. Well, there you have it. That's our beer news for the day. Maybe no more. Hi- what are the hipsters going to drink then? I know. I, I think Miller High Life is now, oddly enough, supposed to be like the, the thing. new hipster oh, beer. Yeah. Okay. I haven't tried that one in a while. Which yeah. they're going to uh, be uh, bottling in champagne bottles for New Year's this year. Oh, and nice. I saw <laughs> Heineken, not Lagunitas Heineken, but Heineken Heineken in okay. champagne bottles also at Safeway right now while I was buying Celebration. Heineken Lager I don't in get champagne? the Heineken one, but what a great marketing uh, <laughs> campaign for Miller High Life. Champagne of beers, bro. I know, yeah, but well, Heineken course, doing it, that's bro. lame. I don't think yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know. Europeans are lame. What do you want? <laughs> I don't know. Not that. So, so are Petalumens? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> same so thing. Uh, okay. Hey, uh... If you want to learn a, a little more about uh, marketing, uh, check out the Branding Brews podcast. It's a deep inside look at everything that revolves around branding and marketing at brewery. Branding Brews interviews industry professionals covering in-depth strategies and topics like labels, packaging, websites, social media content, trademarks, uh, and a lot more. Uh, so whether you're in sales or in marketing uh, or if you own a brewery or you're looking to start a brewery, Branding Brews is a podcast for you. Go to brandingbrews.com or subscribe to the show wherever you like your podcasts. 
And finally, one of our other wonderful sponsors here, Adam and Eve, looking to spice things up in the bedroom. Go check it out. Go to adamandeve.com right now, and they're giving you the free Big O kit when you use coupon code BNARMY, uh, which is Climax Gel and a mini vibrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, of course, you'll get your entire order sent to you for free. So take advantage of this offer. Choose a new adult toy, a naughty movie, or almost anything else. And when you choose that one item, you get 50% off, Not plus free shipping. Plus the big O kit, uh, which includes all those wonderful things I just told you about. And use uh, uh, coupon code BNARMY. That's B-N-A-R-M-Y. At checkout, that's B-N-A-R-M-Y at adamandeve.com. Uh, all right. And how about the results of our Twitter game today, JP? Well, uh, we had some pretty decent ones, which was basically we are going to eliminate the, the name The Session. Uh, mm. And, uh, you know, in favor of something potentially better. Could be worse. Don't know. Let's right. find out. Okay. Uh, Evolution Ales says uh, beer farts and pretzels. Okay. Uh, okay. Hmm. okay. You know, yeah. that happens. Uh, Joseph Smith says the Doc and Justin show. Oh, wait. Neither of them are on anymore. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> long name, but Which I is a long like name. Right. <laughs> Imagine that's your URL. Oh, just go to the Doc and Justin show. Wait, neither on anymore. Doc, Doc. <laughs> it's catchy. Uh, Steve says, we used to love beer, brought to you by more beer. Oh, I like <laughs> that one, too. And you know what? I, I didn't change beer. Beer changed. Wait. I didn't change. Mm. Beer changed. How about that? Okay. Adam says, the Monday. Wait, we're still doing this show? Okay. That's a good name. Uh, Austin says, When Daddy Leaves, a podcast about three dudes and a girl learning the ropes of life, beer, and kids all without their creator. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Which is, uh, depending on your religion, either me or something else. Yeah, it's a good question. (laughs) Yeah. Um, John A. says, The session, Infinity Gauntlet, since half of you have disappeared. That is not even true. Which is a Marvel uh, <laughs> reference, and uh, oh, you know, I get stable. it, and yeah, uh, right. I think it's pretty good. Apparently, Stan Lee's in the disappeared half now. Yeah, Stan Lee. Yeah. And then, uh, last but not least, Andrew Boozer says, Extra Special Bitter, hosted by JP. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I get it. Wow. I kind of like that one a lot. That one snuck mm-hmm. up in the in the rear. First of all, I like that his name is Boozer. <laughs> yeah. Probably not his Christian name, but... It doesn't yeah, matter. I love maybe. it. Uh, okay, so I wrote down uh, the Doc and Justin show. Wait, never mind. Neither of them are there anymore. That's basically <laughs> okay. it, right? Yep, yep. You got it. Yep. Um, I like the We Used to Love Beer podcast. Right. That one's, yeah. That's a front runner for me. But brought to you yeah. by More Beer. Um, yeah. Just personally, I like the When Daddy Leaves podcast. Uh, I, I think that's... Uh, so you're daddy? I yeah, see. Yes. in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Leave me, daddy. Yeah. Like you always wanted me to call you daddy. Uh, no, can, you, can you say it another way? No. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I don't even care. Just use me. Just direct daddy at me in any way. Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> So close. Please. That's fine. I'll cut out that one. It'll work just fine. Yes. Put it in the old headphones right now. I'm about to finish. Uh, and uh, Extra Special Bitter, hosted by JP. Also a front runner for me. I'm kind of surprised uh, We Used to Love Beer isn't We Used to Homebrew. 
Right. Mm, that would yeah. have been much much which, more accurate. Well, yeah. but to me, that's a testament of how much they listen to the nuances of the show mm-hmm. and the amount people, JP and Beardy, bitch about <laughs> beer in general, not even homebrew. Man, I'm glad you brought it up, dude. Right. Beer sucks. Right. Man, have you had a beer recently? No, but have you had spirits? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and heads and tails, That's everybody. why that's a useful uh, or, a, new or thing. a front runner for me. It is me too, by the way. Yeah. Um, okay, so do you want to narrow it down between... Um, narrow it. I do, I, I'm putting out, uh, we used to love beer. Does somebody else want to put out one of the others as the as the other vote? I won't vote for it. You mean throw it out there? Or yeah, what do you mean? so we can uh, all vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Th- I think those are good. I think you did... Why, uh, what's the second one, though? I didn't, I didn't put forward the second <laughs> one. We used to love beer? We used to love beer. Do you want that to be the second one? No, you said the Doc and Justin show you wrote down. I did not. I wrote down four. Now we're going down to the final so final. I've now put forth, we used to love beer. Got it. I got and it. And of got the four I just mentioned... Mentioned and wrote down. Okay. Who wants to nominate a second one? Got it, got it, got it. Got the it, got Doc it. and Justin show. Okay, I think that's number two. All right. So the Doc and Justin show. Oh wait, neither of them are there anymore. Never mind. Ra- never mind. <laughs> Get right. Raise your Get hand right. if that's your favorite. No votes. That means we used to love beers. The name yeah. of the, yeah. uh, the new session. There we go. I, I might even consider changing it's it. It's pretty that. relevant. I, yeah. <laughs> I get my, it's a little bit of hook to it too. People can look. Let's go check that out. We could at least change that to the name when Daddy's gone. That's you true. know what I mean? <laughs> Wait, your daddy in that scenario? <laughs> Creator. Wait, Creator. are you my dad? <laughs> Hello, are you uh, my father? <laughs> wow, sound, where's too bad Moscow's gone. Sound bites galore from this segment. But we'll never see him because there's no Moscow yet. Uh, I might have to get Taylor to do it. Okay, to cover everything else, it looks like Wait, I did. Which was the winner? Yeah. Uh, we used to love we beer. We used to love beer. That's our winner. Going to win something. Bevo will send it to you. You'll get your something soon-ish. And uh, <laughs> thank you for playing. We should things. name the segment, We Used to Send Out. Shit. Right, we used to ship prizes. <laughs> I, excuse me. I do send prizes. I think it would more accurately be we we, we used to not send prizes, JP, before we got Bevo in charge of this whole thing. Uh, I send out prizes, man, all the time. <laughs> also, just please remember to send me, like, please remember to email me if you win the Twitter game. Right. So I tweet them. I tweet them back. I retweet it, and I say email. And then sometimes they email Bevo. me, and then I ask them for their T-shirt size, and then they never respond. That was the problem I had, too, or I would never get. I would never hear from them. It's like, okay, well, then there you go. You can only do what you can do. Follow up or don't bitch. That's the rule around here. Yep. All right, next week we got Bale Breaker Brewing Company. They're going to be on the program with us. I want to thank our guest today, Chris Bircher from Wolf Hills Brewing Company. Really enjoyed doing that interview, so I appreciate you being on, Chris. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm out of here, and we'll see you next week. Does that sound about right to you, JP? Sounds good to me, Bray. All right, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. You got nothing? I got nothing. I literally have nothing. Well, you got about 30 (laughs) seconds to make it up. Do whatever. You know what? Uh, Make it interesting. Fuck it. Do what you want. Thank you very much uh, to our sponsor, More Beer. Thank you very much to our guest, Chris. Thank you very much to everybody listening to the show. Uh, And I just want to say that... uh, Oh, say can you see... By the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hail 
in the twilight's last gleaming. Oh, say can oh shit. Just in the sky and winning the race, JP does 